Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Oh, we're in for a long one. A long weekend, that is. And you deserve to spend it on the couch with a glass of something good. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered quickly. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. You're digging the Rock and Roll Heaven podcast with LD, Will the Thrill, and TJ2. Hey guys, welcome to Rock and Roll Heaven, the podcast where we talk about the lives, careers, and deaths of famous musicians, except this week. I am your host, LD, along with me for the ride, as always, is TJ2, the deuce. Oh, that, that was actually that, really, that was really nice good. Yeah. What are you drinking? Okay. First uh, time I've ever had this one. This is called Pirate's Breakfast. Ooh, a stout? Huh. From uh, uh, Amore Artist uh, Brewery. And it apparently contains cocoa nibs and coffee beans aged in rum barrels. So you're not going to sleep at all, are you? It's roughly the hue of a chocolate-covered eight ball floating in a tar pit. <laughs> you put a scoop of ice cream on that and you have dessert. Uh-huh. Oh, let's see how it goes. Hold on. Hmm. Oh, I need a fork. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. And then <laughs> my other half, Mr. Will the Thrill. <laughs> Greetings and salutations. Um, wh- what was that? Did you just put a I... golf ball into a glass? <laughs> yes, I'm <laughs> yes, I'm drinking a titleist, everybody. Um no, I, I am opting for coffee simply because as LD knows, I'm in hell week of marathon running and I have to go run five miles as soon as we conclude this uh slap nuttery. Excellent. But beer good. like help. Beer is good after. Beer is okay. great after you run. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, okay. I don't run, so I really don't know. I'm just, it just seems like beer would always be better. But now that you know there's beer at the end, you may consider it. Uh, I'm going to go run a marathon. I'd, I'd drink a beer if I were you. Had to work. <laughs> I think I'd have a beer. There are, there are many breweries at the, at the finish line of these marathons. That's what makes it almost worthwhile. I'm going <laughs> yeah. to go down to, down to the, uh, the haberdashery and get the sized for a pork pie. And I'd have a beer. And have a beer. <laughs> All right. Well, um, while you guys do that, I guess I'm going to host this podcast. All right. So I just wanted to say, guys, that have been locked in this Michael Jackson series that we've been doing, you guys, there are only three more episodes left. 
You say that now. I, I have you say written. That now. I have. I've written two of the three final episodes. The final episode has yet to be written, but they are locked. They are loaded. They're ready to go. Just so you know. And then right after that, we'll jump directly into Tammy Wynette. And then we'll, then we'll do a ten part retrospective on our retrospective of Miles. <laughs> <laughs> where i'll talk about how hard it was to write this whole damn thing um right up top though while we got you guys's full attention we would like to go ahead and tell you guys that we are doing three different topics today we are this is our slap nuts episode hey hey ld hey hey um so what hey yeah so um the slap nuts thing is just taken off like a like a rocket it's just uh massive popularity and the feedback we've gotten from people and i felt like it uh, needed a theme song and so i thought of one uh, okay yeah. I'm so i'm gonna sing it for you now you ready for this oh no i, I never will be it, it's still a work in progress but um okay. I, I think you'll see where we're going with it you ready i sure I, sure <laughs> i like slap nuts and i cannot lie oh, it's an episode where no one you get strong it's, it's got something going for it i will say yeah um a razzie but but it's also entirely untrue because i know for this slap nuts we do cover some death and dismemberment correct yeah so in this uh in this episode particular we do want to give you guys a parental warning uh, the three topics that we're talking about today, two of them are not going to be that bad. There might be some talk with uh, some of the the first things that we're going to talk about, just because it's going to be diving into the subject matter. But for our third, th- definitely, you guys need to, um, what's the word? You guys definitely need to exercise listener discretion, because there will be talks of sexual assault, murder violence, all kinds of stuff, because TJ, do you care to enlighten the folks on what the three subjects that we're talking about this week are? Yes. Okay. So uh, we have one uh, non-music topic, but that we stumbled onto a few weeks ago, and that's going to be a discussion of video games, our favorite video games of all time. That's one. Then we have a music-based one, that being our top 10 favorite comedy slash novelty songs and then uh, another one that we it's kind of a turd we kicked inadvertently while discussing michael jackson true crime from our hometowns and by hometowns i mean towns we were born in yes and so that is the most famous crime in the history of the town that you're from now elder and our siblings we were born in different states however I was actually, I was born in Union, South Carolina. She was born in Slidell, Louisiana. And Will, you hail from? I was actually born in Norwalk, Connecticut. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, the one caveat was that we actually said, because a lot of our towns are super small, uh, you could pick the largest town that you're born near. So my one caveat was I actually got Louisiana's uh, beautiful parish of Nolans. So... Uh, but that's where the parental warning definitely comes mm, yeah, in. There's a, oh, yeah, there's been a lot. There's been a lot, lot of there's been a lot of killings. Yeah, yes. I got Danbury, so we'll get to that. I'm actually going to stick with Union, South Carolina. Actually, all right. Well, how about this? Let's uh, put that on pause for just a second. Let me give a proper parental warning when it comes to the true crime. Mine actually deals with a brutal murders and, um, you know, I, I think Will has sexual assault. TJ, yours is uh, the death of children. So right. 
we we definitely want to put a a big old asterisk next to this one guys if any of that is frightening triggering or you're like i did not sign up for a true crime podcast when i signed on to rock and roll heaven if you want to skip that part entirely totally fine we get it come back next week for part 152 of michael jackson and i'm sure it will be you know uh, way more tamer than what we're going to be talking about in the third act of this podcast well, uh, one bit of liberty to that so because we're discussing video games and novelty songs, I said to LD, hey, obviously the last song we're going to play is Pac-Man Fever, right? Because that deals with video games and it was a novelty song. And she said, no, no, no. There's a song that relates to my true crime story. And I was like, good, good, good. So we're going to have a plucky little ditty about some ill-tempered train conductor beating a hobo to death with his bindle stick. <laughs> Incorrect. You obviously don't know what story I picked and... And it has, it is actually is a jaunty little tune. So it's it's definitely a jaunty little tune. Super. <laughs> um, I, I right. I'm looking forward to it. Who would like to go first for our top five video games? I feel like I should go last. Because okay. yeah, I, not, uh, I nominate you. All right. Day. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. So um I didn't actually write anything about any of these games. I figured I'd just kind of go off the cuff, but and they're not in any particular order because I love all of these games, but uh, in my number one spot is a game called Bioshock. Oh, it's beautiful. It is such a revolution of a game. Like it was, the gameplay is amazing. It plays out like a movie. It's beautifully created. the The soundtrack for it's insane. It actually has Bobby Darren's Beyond the Sea, and it's got other songs from like the nineteen twenties. It incorporates Art Deco. The costuming is beautiful. The villains are great. The story twist, I kid you not, is one of the best in gaming history. And so that's definitely in my number one spot. That's Bioshock. So the descent of a notable game series that came out of System Shock, which was from the 90s and late 90s. Yeah, and there are two sequels to it. One which is called Bioshock 2. Very clever. And then the third one is Bioshock Infinite. And Infinite was a lot of fun, It's but it is a completely different game. And so they took it from underwater to in the sky in the second one. Still really good. And they had a great version of Will the Circle Be Unbroken, which is sung by the lead heroine in that, that game. It's beautiful. It's highly so, intelligent world building, too. Yes. Uh, really incredible weaponry, really incredible ways to move around the city. It's just beautiful. Uh, number two shouldn't be a shock to anybody because I live in my basically my eight bit brain uh, is Super Mario World. It was the first game that was mine. Like I remember Christmas that year getting my own Super Nintendo system and it came with uh, Super Mario World. And then my parents got Parappa the Rappa and Bart's <laughs> Nightmare. And it was like the best Christmas of all time. But Super Mario World, we I love it so much that we actually found one of the little like baby SNSs with that all the games loaded up on it. And it's got like 30 games, doesn't it? It does, but it has yeah. Super Mario World and it's got uh, another one that is one of my favorites, is Super Ghouls and Ghosts. And so I can oh, just ghouls and ghosts. I can continue to fail on that. <laughs> that is one of the hardest games ever made. I'm not kidding. You <laughs> cannot so win. Difficult. And here's the thing: if you win the first go round, 
it loops you back to the beginning and you have to play the whole thing again. And then I think that you see a dog at the end and that's like your prize. And that was it. So it, it <laughs> it's not, it, it wasn't like an old Atari game where literally you never won and it never ended. Theoretically, you could win and, and, and it end, but it was just really difficult to do. It's extremely hard. Extremely yeah. difficult. Yeah, it wasn't like Pitfall where it just had like no end and you, you it was you and Jungle Jack until both oh, of no, you no, died. Oh, no, no. Pitfall had an end. There was a time limit on Pitfall. It was 20 minutes. Are you saying, I don't remember so that. It was more like, it was yeah. more like Berserk or Frogger or Joust. Oh, Joust. <laughs> or Dick <laughs> Doug. <laughs> or dig dug the stupid moles and things just got like a dragons just faster and breathes more fire yeah my number three is fatal frame two crimson butterfly the director's cut i'm another a very, familiar masterpiece another masterpiece i am very 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 much into the horror based genre when it comes to video games i i love any kind of game that it looks like a horror film acts like a horror film. There are some phenomenal shots in there that I'm shocked that directors haven't stolen and put it into film because they're just amazing. The story again is beautiful and it's you and your sister, your twin sister, and you've lost her in this village and it's a Japanese game. And so there's a lot of Japanese lore and like the Uri and on like all different kinds of like Japanese ghosts and you don't have a weapon except for this thing called the camera obscura. And that's your weapon. That's that's what you fight with is a camera. So you have to pick up different kinds of film and you have to figure these puzzles out and you're trying to find your sister. And it's just a the pinnacle of storytelling when it comes to video games. And so. the ghost design is downright terrifying. Yeah, well, they're all based on actual ghosts from Japan. And so if you go back, you'll see yeah. like th there is the URI and then um, it's like uh, there's a creature design that's like Sakura from uh, the Grudge films. And they're just absolutely terrifyingly beautiful. It's one of the hardest games to find as well. I think it's uh, one of those like limited release games and we were lucky enough to get it. Now there is a, of course, there's a Fatal Frame 1 and I believe that was for PlayStation 2 and it's a great playthrough as well. And uh, I never got to play the third one because it was specific only to Japan. It never got an American release, which sucks because it was awesome. So that's Fatal Frame 2, Crimson Butterfly. Highly recommend it. Number four is probably something that mostly everybody has played because it was a super popular game. And that is Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Ooh, not yep. Grand Theft Auto 5. Interesting. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto Vice City takes place in the 1980s and it has the most amazing soundtrack of any video game ever come at me. Also, it, it's just like you can go off script, like it's open world. So if you don't feel like doing whatever the mob boss told you to, and you just like want to go run, pick up ladies and then, you know, run over pedestrians or whatever, and just get out anxiety or stress or whatever, you can do it. If you want to build, if you want to steal like five boats and stack those boats together, then steal a tank and run them into the boats that you just built up. You can do it. They don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna offer one contender for soundtrack. That would be Redneck Rampage. We'll get there. Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. So, uh, just so for for S's and G's, 
try Grand Theft Auto Vice City. It's great. It'll take you back to the 1980s. It's like Miami Vice meets Scarface meets like everything that is great about video games. And, you know, you just can cause chaos or you can follow the story. It doesn't matter. Just have a good time. And um, I think that's the one where you, if you're in a car, you have the option to change the station. Isn't that right? Yes. Yes, yeah. you can. And then every station is the 1980s. And I believe like one of them has a so flock good. of seagulls on it and like they'll have commercials that are specific to the radio station and stuff like so it was just like great sound design a uh, lot of fun and i want to say ray liotta is the voice of the main he character he is so uh definitely check out grand theft auto vice city and then my final one is another horror video game series and i say series because the the same company has spawned three more games that are two of them are great one of them's meh uh and this is the series until dawn now this was a horror based game and it's kind of the trope of a bunch of friends go into a cabin that is isolated on a mountain and murderous hijinks ensue well, what happens is a year prior to when the game takes place, two sisters go missing and there's there's a, a catalyst for those two sisters and they don't know what has happened to them. And then these friends are kind of reuniting before they go their separate ways. Now, the mocap on this is amazing because it stars Hayden Panettiere and Rami Malek and it looks exactly like them the mocap was incredible but it's the kind of choose your own adventure game is like do you stay with this person or do you go your own separate way do you help untie them or do you leave them and run so you're safe it's and so you know you have choices that you make and the choices that you make create the butterfly effect and so uh it's amazing it's such a great game and you can without giving too much of the game away, you can actually save everybody or everyone can die. You have the ability to save everyone with the choices that you make, or you can have everyone dead by the end of the game. <laughs> you might not even make it to the end of the game. And there are other games too in the series that are loosely connected to it just by the, the very, the one character called the curator, who's not in the first game, he's in the other three games, which is Little Hope, House of Ashes, and Man of Madon. And those are all downloadable content. So those are my five favorite video games of all time. All right. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. And many of those LD you and I played together, if I recall. Yeah. Mainly because I like watching play you play video games because I pretty much suck at it. But if it's the horror games, I'm definitely going to be taking the, the front seat on that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Uh, so TJ, you would be up next. Okay. All right. Well, I did a little bit of extra credit. <clears throat> I'm going to blow through these kind of quick. I did my five favorite arcade games and five home entertainment system games. Well, if you're going to add that, can I add a caveat that whatever the sure. Jurassic Park game is that you have in the video arcades, you know, the Jurassic yes. Park game where you're like sitting in the Jeep. Oh, the shooter, yeah. Yep, that's my favorite <clears throat> arcade game. And then ski and then ski ball. <laughs> and ski ball and foosball. Yeah, the game of New Jersey royalty. And the <laughs> and the thing where you have to try to roll the bowling ball over the hump and make stay in the thing. Oh, that is no, I don't have the patience for that. No. -uh. Um, okay, so I'm gonna start with my arcade favorites. I have two honorable mentions. First one from 1982, Tron. Oh. It's classic. Wait, that was an actual game? Oh, yeah. yes. So really? what made this one, it's not that the game was that great. 
what made it what, what made it interesting was the fact that it was one of the first ones that you entered i.e you climbed into an apparatus and you sat down yeah one of the first ones that i remember it wow. was Tron. other honorable mention is gorf mine are going to skew old because i am well what is gorf okay is that, gorf that, sounds, was, that actually just sounds like something that our cats would hock up after a long night of the liquid gorf. Um, Gorf was, it was a space themed game where you uh, either defended something or attacked something or another. Here's why I remember it. It was the first video game that talked shit. When you died, the, the game would actually go, ha, 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 which I remember which that. In 1982, <laughs> which, which in 1982 parlance was basically like it saying, ha, 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 suck it, bitch. <laughs> it's basically flipping you off. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. Like that freaking dog in Duck Hunt. But anyway. Yes, oh. just like, yes, the dog in Duck Hunt. No, but apparently, and, apparently you can play the dog. There's like, no, no, you can't play the dog. What you could do with controller B was control the flight of the damn dog. move them around. And nobody knew it. <laughs> nobody knew it until like 2018. <laughs> okay. I remember that coming out and I'm like, God, I tried second. to shoot that stupid, I tried to shoot that stupid stupid snarky dog like a thousand yeah. times meep, meep, oh, yeah. meep, meep, it comes up yeah <laughs> i don't ever um, think i've heard my brother get so angry about an inanimate object that dog was just rude <laughs> dog suck guy suck hated that stupid dog <laughs> dog's an asshole yeah <laughs> Yeah, I wish he, he should have gone behind the shed with old Yeller. Oh my God. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> okay. Did I mention that beer was 9.4? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good time. Okay. Dude. Those were both fairly old games, and I'm, I'm about four years older than both of you. Maybe now we're going to get up to something you two actually perhaps have played. Up next for me, Centipede. Oh, oh yeah. It's a classic. God. With the ball controller? Yes. So the reason that the arcade version was vastly superior to the home entertainment system uh, version was the rollerball. If you'd played Centipede in the arcade, you had a, a, a button that fired your laser and there was the, the movement of your, the little ship that you, you controlled. It was a rollerball that moved side to side, up and down, circular. And then you played on Atari and it was a little clunky trying to move side to side and up and down and you couldn't get that nice circular pattern going which was actually pretty beneficial that was just too much for my alone here no no because yeah there were that wall, the walls you had to like shoot around if i remember correctly yeah and, that was yeah. so it was so well, hard well, well there were there were mushrooms there was mushrooms that's right yeah mm -hmm. there were mushrooms and there was a, 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 the centipedes would start coming down and bouncing between the mushrooms but every time you shot an individual part of the centipede it turned into a mushroom to block your path yeah that and it, and, it, and then they would start kind of ricocheting between the mushrooms and it would kind of funnel them down towards you faster um and there were uh little toadstool looking things that would kind of go across the top like er, der, 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 and you had to try to shoot them and get bonus points and it's pretty mindless but it was fun it was a, it was a good one yeah i do have yeah. fond memories well, of well well with the atari 2600 they just had those games where it was just aggravatingly repetitive until like one day you finally broke it. But then, and at that point, like you'd like throw the controller across the room, scream out loud. Your mom would come out with a wooden spoon and be like, why are you making such a racket? But but then you realize that the alternative was like a freaking crossword puzzle. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'll go back <laughs> to adventure. And, so, and suddenly yeah. Yara's Revenge didn't seem quite so bad after all. <laughs> What's an eight letter word for communism? 
<sighs> Go back to frogs and flies. <laughs> um, okay, I have my next two are very similar, so I'm just going to throw those out simultaneously. Turbo and pole position. Oh, dude, pole, pole position was amazing. Those were both race games, and they were a little different than a lot of the games that preceded them for a couple of reasons. One, there was a gear stick, there was a steering wheel, and there was an actual pedal or two pedals, one for gas, one brake, in both of them. Whereas most games before them, you basically had a button that shot a gun of some kind and a stick that made your, your character move. Pole position was a little more trolled in, in that it was a race. Uh, you against other races. Turbo, you were actually on like city streets having to dodge fire trucks and ambulances and, and all kind of stuff. It was a little more... It was more like outrun. Uh, freeform. Yeah. Up next for me is Tecmo Bowl. It's a classic. The most indestructible force in the history of video games was Tecmo Bowl, Bo Jackson. It was, it was absurd, uh, yeah. Although Tecmo Bowl, Randall Cunningham was pretty freaking hey, when he was throwing to Fred you're Barnett. You're talking about... I'm just... Tecmo Bowl, not Super Tecmo Bowl, correct? Correct. Well, well, there was... It was 10-yard fight and the Tecmo Bowl and Super Tecmo Bowl. Well, you had like two plays. You can run yes, there was, or there you were, can yes, run. You had a run play and a pass play because that's totally what an NFL team has. Oh, absolutely. And number one for me, arcade. It's actually two games, but nowadays if you can find actual video games anywhere, these two are usually on one unit and you, you can pick between the two. That would be Miss Pac-Man and Galaga. Another pizza parlor classic. I'm just going to say this. I'm just going to throw this out there. This is this is going to be super controversial. We're going to get hate mail and letter. We're going to get we're going to get canceled for this one. Miss Pac-Man was better than Pac-Man. I no, it fully, absolutely fully agree. It's it's on IGN's list of 100 greatest games of all time. Miss Pac-Man vastly superior to, to Pac-Man. I'll tell you why. There is actually a string of of things in my neck of the woods called video game museums, and basically they're just gigantic arcades full of classic games and i went to one probably right before covid i guess and i played original pac-man for the first time in a really long time and i'd forgotten a couple of things the main thing i'd forgotten is that pac-man is actually considerably slower than the ghost monsters mm -hmm. oh yeah so there's a there's a little more skill involved in terms of using the quick turns to get away from them you if you get in a straightaway they're going to catch you so you have to you have to turn a lot and line it up to where you hit the power pellet right when you've got them all stacked up. And then you, you knock, you knock Inky, Blinky, Clyde and Sue out like boom, 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 boom. And then you have to go eat, eat as many dots as you can before they come back out of the box. Right. Miss Pac-Man, you're actually faster than the ghost monsters. And it's yeah. much, a much, the pace is a lot faster. So I think it's vastly superior. And Galaga is the greatest uh, arcade game in the history of arcade games. <laughs> that's not to argue that it's very and i will whip anybody's ass at galaga that's a fact come get some you don't know how many hours in like what 1986 I, my first my first job was at an arcade making change i wore the wore, wore the apron that. and everything I do not remember that. What arcade? There was uh, there was an arcade in the Chester Mall. We had there. a mall? We had a mall and an arcade. Our, our mother oh, wait, managed is that it. Where... Do you not remember this? No. There was a Roses and a Belks and a... Was that where Kirby Auto Stokey Mall Bear, went? Right? Yes, it ended up being an auto mall. But yeah, there was a, there was a, a shoe place called the Cobbler. Sky, there was Roses. Sky City? There was Belks. Sky City? Or was that we did no Sky City was in a different location. Okay. I remember our mother managed it. Huh. You and I both won a, a, a costume contest one Halloween there. I don't I don't know how you forget this. Uh 
Well, it was probably the seizures. And drugs. I'm going to guess drugs. No, because I didn't remember them before I did the drugs. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was probably the seizures. My home, okay, so that's that's my arcade selections. My home ones, I'll blow through these kind of quick. Uh, and, and again, mine's skewed pretty old because I am. Uh, number Not in any particular order, really, except for the last two. I'm going to go with uh, Atlantis. Okay. Yeah. Uh, from the arcade 2600. Basically, you were the magical underwater, probably mythical city of Atlantis. Defending yourself from weird spaceships. I'm sorry. Did you just say probably mythical? Did you say probably mythical? You don't know. I mean, you don't know. (laughs) Have you been alive forever? You don't know. I I probably have. And if you'll remember, you had a center gun that was, it was much easier to shoot everything with that. But that was also the first thing to go when the death rays started flying. And then you just had these two side guns that were really hard to use. Yeah, it's pretty much game over once that middle one went. Yeah. Up next, I'm going to go with the the uh, the 20 minute quest for gold of Pitfall Harry. Pitfall, <laughs> <laughs> dude. How many hours did of our lives, our early lives, did we lose to Pitfall? Lots. Does anybody remember the Saturday morning cartoon but me? No, I but do. I do remember yeah. the I do remember the commercial which starred Jack Black. It was the first. Okay. It was his first role was in a commercial for Pitfall. Well, Pitfall Harry had a Saturday morning cartoon. There was also a Pac-Man and Miss well, I Pac-Man. Remember, I remember the Pac-Man and the Miss Pac-Man. I also remember the Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario Super Time. Yep. And honestly, really, if you look at Pitfall now, it looks like crap because it's the, the graphics are horrible. It was Atari 2600. But at the time, it just it, it, you, when you saw that bar of platinum, you're like, oh, my God. All yeah. I've got to do is jump across three alligator heads. Yep. And then you're like, you have to stand on it when they open and then you jump. Or, and then well, you can either try to go really fast before they open their mouths or you could just stand on their like foreheads. Yep. Because if you stood on their noses, they'd fall down. You'd fall. All kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Up next for me is Madden 96. That's the one I played the most. All the Maddens are great. That was the one I just happened to play the most. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Uh, Because, well, I had a, when I was in college, I got a Sega. And the first games I bought, I got uh, Madden 96, NBA live 95 and an nhl game and i played them to death well that nhl one was the one with the blood fighting which was a masterpiece oh so good nhl 95 oh it was so fun (laughs) okay wait with the madden who madden 96 who was on the cover of that john madden oh yeah Yeah. they didn't start doing players literally i think it was just a pick you can look it up there may have been a player but no, I, think I just him, remember it being John Madden and, and, and uh, Pat, uh, what's his name, Summerall. I think just him like pointing a football at you, if I'm not mistaken. Probably. <laughs> yeah. And I have a two-way tie for first place. Okay. SNK baseball stars and Mike Tyson's punch out. Oh. I, 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 if I do, you do tiebreaker, I'm going punch out. I'm going to go punch out too. If punch you out. Tiebreaker, yeah, punch great. Back, yeah. So punch, for those who don't remember out, SNK yes. baseball stars, it was the first game I'm aware of that you could actually play an entire an entire baseball season so i think 162 games it mm-hmm. would save your stats so you could cut the game off cut it back on pick up your season where you left off and it would save your stats for the entire season oh wow every game you played you also earned a certain amount of money and you could use that money to, to go out and and acquire free agents or up the skill levels of your current players there were there were a lot of things about it it was a fun it was a fun game to play but then there were things like that. You could create players. It was the first one hour game I remember that did that. It saved your stats for the whole season. You could cut it off, cut it back on two or three days later and pick the season off. 
which wasn't a thing that you could do before. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was a really fun game. And yeah, go check it out if you've never played it. Punch Out is, is probably my one of my, that might be my favorite video game ever. It's a great one. And, and I'll even concede Super Punch Out has much better gameplay. The graphics are better. The sound is better. It ain't Mike Tyson. You know why? Because they didn't have Mike Tyson. <laughs> and to this day, Mike Tyson is still considered one of the most difficult video game bosses of all time. And, and I was so, I was so, so I played that game a lot when I was a kid. I never beat him. About two years ago, when, when uh, the pandemic set in and I was bored and had a lot of free time, I found it uh, online and started playing it, and I played it until I beat him. You got it? You got the win? I beat him. I beat nice. Mike Tyson like two years That's ago. That's a good one. It's hard. Yep. T yep. TKO in the third round, baby. Nice. Uh, so awesome. that is my, uh, that's my list. Good list. Good All list. right. Sorry to interrupt, guys, but we do need to take a short sponsor break. Oh, we're in for a long one. A long weekend, that is. And you deserve to spend it on the couch with a glass of something good. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered quickly. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. And we're back. Back to more Pure Slap Nuttery. Will, after you tell us your stuff, then I have a little bit of an announcement. Okay. Um... Uh, that kind of ties in with our first subject. So oh, go ahead. All right. Well, before we do, I do want to pose the gold sticker question to both of you. Can you name the protagonist in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out? Little Mac. Well, bravo. Well done. Punchy Sam. Little Mac. <laughs> cool. And do you remember the trainer's name? Oh, that I don't. What was it? Doc. <laughs> Doc. So it's Doc and Mac. Yeah. Doc. Yep. Doc and Little Mac. Oh, uh -huh. All beautiful. 120 pounds of him. <laughs> irrationally okay. fighting out of his weight class against King Hippo and Mike Tyson. Yeah, well, King Hippo and Mike Tyson would never be in the same weight class. Or yeah, so like, okay, little Mac, that guy? little Mac, the, the, the game told you weighed 120 pounds. And King Hippo was so, was so freaking fat that, like, it just had question marks. He didn't have a recorded weight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a beautiful game. All right. So now we come to my list. And as both of you probably know, this is my genre. I grew up playing games. Before we start, I am going to give a few disclaimers so we can get all the hate out of the way. Uh, first of all, I'm going to tell you these are only games that I've played. So I've limited this list to only ones that I can speak on from experience. I'm only doing one per series, so you can't have multiple within a game series. And I did my best to spread it out among different genres because I could probably do an entire list of just RPGs or just shooter games, but I tried to sort of spread it out. Um, so to get the hate mail right out of, out of the way right now, The Last of Us is not on this list. I just want to get that out there now. People are and, gonna come and, after me. And I will say that one of my favorite creators of all time is actually directing the film version of that. His name's Craig Mazin. As some of you guys know, I'm completely, totally, and utterly obsessed with Pripyat and Chernobyl in the Ukraine. And he created this amazing series where I had done 10 years of research that I was going to create this amazing movie based on the whole events. And he went and did it better than I ever could. His name's Craig Mazin. I love him. And so I'm absolutely forward. I'm looking forward to that adaptation. So while it's not on your list, I will say I'm still a fan. No, it, it's a great game. I think it's going to make a great movie. It's just not on my list. Uh, and my list, I tried to focus on things that sort of 
redefined the genres they were in. So here we go. I do have to give honorable mention to a game that I know, I think LD, you got this one for me. Uh, this is an often overlooked World War II shooter. This is an honorable mention, mind you. It's called Brothers in Arms Hell's Highway. You remember that one? Yes, I do. I, yeah. I think we were still dating when I gave that to you. Yep. Pretty uh, sure it was the first gen X, no, second, second gen Xbox. It was Xbox, Xbox 360, 360, I believe. Yeah, yeah. 360. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, there's a lot of shooter games that have come out there. I think Call of Duty is still, you know, number one with a bullet no pun intended this was a very different approach yeah i know right uh this one came out in 2008 it was actually sort of first person shooter and squad as in you had a first person perspective but you controlled what your other guys could do and it took place during the ill-fated market garden operation of world war ii which as many of you know was the one of the biggest military blunders in u.s history in fact statistics point to that in nine days the allies lost 17,000 people Oof. yeah it's considered just horrible and you're thrust into that you're you're controlling not only your character but the troops and they'll actually echo back to you so if you tell them to do something that's risky they'll be like sarge what are you doing and if they die you actually feel responsible for it you you i remember playing the game and being utterly traumatized if i sent my troops over to do something and suddenly they were gunned down it was just a really powerful experience for gaming great control really innovative so i got to give that one little honorable mention at the top before we dive into the actual list First, we're kicking it off with RPG, my favorite by far. I'm going to give uh, an honorable mention. This was almost my topic, but didn't quite make it to Dragon Age Origins. This, of course, was produced by BioWare, very much in the style of sort of the group RPG where you had different archetypes. What made this one so fascinating is your choices made a difference. Uh, you could have allegiances with different people in your party. You could have different things happen in the world. The ultimate outcome of the game depended on your decisions and it was one of those controversial games where you as the protagonist could die as part of the outcome of the story your death was part of it um in fact i remember playing it and i did something and one character basically told me off and, and left and i never got him back and i was all pissed because like <laughs> that's my best armor um but yeah hey, it's a really here. innovative game and that of course came out in 2009 which happened to be the same year that the mighty Quinn was released from Manfred Mann's Earth Band. Dragon Age and Manfred Mann together at last. Um, now so I'm, I'm upset because which of the games had Tim Curry in it? That's the one. He was a voice of your wicked uncle who's constantly trying to kill you. And, and, and honestly, the Mighty Quinn came out in like the 70s, but you, you got it in and that's all. That yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was re-released. Who would like it's to do It's kind of like prom night. You got it in and that's all the game <laughs> one cares about. Wow. Okay. Thank you. For uh, that. Moving on. Oh, and uh, oh, but, uh, uh, that, that also means that ladies and gentlemen, our federally mandated Man for Man's Hearth Band reference to the podcast is now satisfied. Excellent. However, I would be remiss if I did not include the top choice for RPG LD. I think you know where this is going. Skyrim. Okay, do you want to tell the story or shall I? Well, I was going to include that as a fun fact. All right, do the fun fact, sir. Oh, no, no, because I, I think it's your, the story you're going to tell. Isn't fun it? fact! It's, it's the same story. We have the same story. Okay, well, I'll, I'll give the intro for the game, and how about you give the fun fact? All right. So this was released on 11-11-11. That was the release date for the fifth Elder Scrolls game. The Elder Scrolls game go back to 1994 they really created the open world rpg genre however skyrim totally revolutionized it in gameplay world building politics how your character developed 
It was amazing. The game sold over 30 million copies. It is still one of the best-selling games of all time. If you are a role-playing fan and you have not played Skyrim, tisk 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 tisk. And now LD, perhaps a fun fact. All right, fun fact. Perhaps if a fun you, fact. <laughs> if you are playing Skyrim, if you've ever come across a little village called Ivenstar, is that correct? Iverstad, yeah. Iverstad. And you go into a pub there, you will see two familiar faces. Their names are Wilhelm and Lindley Starsong. And that's because we were actually what? placed inside of the video game. Mm-hmm. It was oh, actually a crap. wedding present. What? Yeah, so it's like the coolest moment of our collective lives. Uh, basically, what happened was we had a friend who worked at Bethesda, and he worked in he worked in the matrixing department. And so he f- would figure out like if this person knows this person, then they probably know this person, and this has this impact on the story. So there's like people out there that are actually like, you know, mapping out these webs of like who knows who. And so because of that department, they called them into a meeting one day and they're like, they had a naming session where they would give characters names. And so he threw out Lindley and they really liked the name. And so they said, uh, give me another name. And they were like, William. And we're like, let's Nordic it up. So he's Wilhelm. And the funny thing is that they took attributes from our actual lives. And so if you give me money i will sing for you and there is an actual paranormal side quest with my character because i am the bar wench (laughs) and so i will play the lute for you and i'll sing you a song and then i will send you on a little paranormal hunt in the game and will owns the bar and the here's the funniest of fun facts uh funniest of fun facts you can actually marry will you cannot marry me (laughs) So I had people coming up to me like, dude, I married you. And I'm like, uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you know, that that's cool and everything. But you remember the um the cross-eyed cold snake and cubert? I mean, it was uh, named Travis after me. Oh. Huh. That's charming. <laughs> what Not do really. I feel like that's I just wanted lie. to say Cubert. I just wanted to bring up Cubert. <laughs> Cubert's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, so so, top you, so okay. yes, if you if you play that game, you can find me and Will in the game. And you can marry me. So there you go. And I am a chaste woman. I apparently am unmarriable, which you is weird. You are non-marriable NPC. I yep. am non-marriable. You can't marry me and you can't play me. I'm so sad. <laughs> but but uh, I'll always be in a video game. So I'll there's always that. Be in a video game. Yep. I'll always be there in pixel form. So I got to give the nod. Number one RPG is Skyrim. Next we come to survival horror. There's Resident Evil. Great game series. But LD, again, you played this one with me. You know where I'm going with this. Silent, Silent Hill, Hill 2. 2. 2. I there said are, 2. Yep. I said 2. There are a few games that make you feel so completely creeped out and alone as Silent Hill 2. The sound is utterly disturbing. The atmosphere is crushing. And they never really give you the whole story. You never know exactly what happens. You can play the game to completion and there's still gaps of things that happened. So it leaves the mind running on overtime. And just a fantastic fantastic gaming work uh, silent hill 2 came out in 99 uh next genre i'm going to covering is the building genre so who remembers sim city i remember sim city i also remember things like roller coaster tycoon but i was completely and utterly obsessed with sim- the sims in 2002 2003 completely obsessed by those but as far as Sim City, I was not as into that as I was the Sims. TJ, did you play Sim City at all? 
I don't think so. Great building where you, you build a city. Um, now, this is not my top choice, though. It's a great series, and I strongly encourage everyone to investigate it. But when it comes to building, there is one game that just takes the cake, and that's 2011's Minecraft. Nothing game of all time. Yes, nothing else even comes close. The game has sold over 238 million units. Which is just bananas. Damn. Yeah. The... Um, the creator Marcus Pearson is, became a billionaire because of this game. And he's actually, I believe royalty in Sweden or Norway, wherever he lives. Uh, he's, he's in that part of the world. Well, if he wasn't before he is now, it was not before. And as of 2013, Minecraft had the largest playable world of any video game. Wow. Yes, they're actually, yeah. there's actually a project going on. There's a name for the project. I cannot remember what it is, but there is a project that is a worldwide project where they are actually recreating the entire world within Minecraft. And I they've given them the bandwidth to do it. And so people are creating their own neighborhoods and so they've got something like 30% of all of the major metropolises in the world built. It's uh, You'll have to look it up. I don't remember all of the specs on it, but mm -hmm. I think it's something so cool. Like somebody recreated Notre Dame mm -hmm. uh, within the game, like almost brick by brick. It's perfect. The Great Pyramids of Giza. Like people are just really creative and have more time that I just don't understand. <laughs> and there's there's competitions. There are worldwide competitions. Like someone made the Las Vegas Strip in this Minecraft world. It's, Amazing, mind-boggling. So, and that was actually something that you and your son bonded over. You guys oh, played yeah. Minecraft together because you know he lives. You know he lived in Germany at the time, yeah. and that's how you guys could bond because you could talk over the the PlayStation and. You know, it's not a thousand dollars a minute, but also you guys got to build stuff together, and it was actually a great way to watch the two of you bond and yeah. have like father son time. And it's kid appropriate too, because again, you're building buildings; you're not blowing stuff up. So it's like Legos. Know. Yeah, pretty much. It's like international Legos. Yeah. So All Minecraft right. takes top slot. Next slot is action. I had How a many few choices slots on do you here. have? Five genres. I've got more genres. I got to finish my job, man. <laughs> uh is the action genre a lot of options here but i'm going with the revolutionary batman arkham asylum came out in 2009 perfect blend of story stealth and puzzles and combat in fact the combat system became a staple for a lot of other games so it sort of revolutionized the genre had the voice acting of the great mark hamill as the joker and of all the games on this list this one actually has the highest rating on imdb at 9.4 nice yes popularity Next, we come to Adventure. I was torn on this one. I'm sure you all remember the original Legend of Zelda, correct? Yes. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's a great one. I was so close to picking it. It is my second favorite game series, but I had to go with my favorite, which is the Castlevania series, which of course started in 1986. There are now over 40 titles in the series, and the game that stands out and will always stand out to me is Castlevania Symphony, Symphony of the of Night, Night yep. which also has the best soundtrack. The soundtrack is amazing. The game design is incredible. Just celebrated its 25th anniversary. I believe there's a release. And the twist is unbelievable with the whole inverted castle it, because you, yeah. You oh. Don't say don't say anything. Don't okay. spoil right. it for people. For those of you who have not played this game in the last 25 years, you can check it out. Uh, and the last thing I will leave you is a fun fact regarding the Castlevania series. Fun fact providing the... There you go. <laughs> you tried, buddy. Yeah, I well that beer was 9.5%. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
<laughs> As I mentioned earlier, when the original Castlevania game came out, it was 1986. And to this day, no one knows who actually created the game. Here's why. What? In 1986, the Japanese video game companies were so concerned over corporate espionage that they forced everybody to work under pseudonyms. So when you see the game's credits, you actually see comical names. Some of the names you'll see are Vram Stoker, ah. Bar- <laughs> Boris Karloffis, and, <laughs> and James Banana. I don't know about those, that one. Those but, sound yeah. like adult film names. They really yeah. do, especially yeah, James Banana. <laughs> um, so needless to say, everyone credited this credit under a false name. Well, Konami actually came out and admitted that the records had gotten muddled over the years so they were able to trace back the pseudonyms to some game creators but to this day there's a handful of developers on that game that no one knows who they actually are konami sucks give me back my pt <sighs> yeah they've uh, they've misstepped a lot in the past few years so either give me pt or give me allison road and no one gets hurt <laughs> and that's my list all, all right. right well one one really interesting thing that i came across when doing my infinity hoop because i like to either like listen to you know uh news stories or you know listen to whatever the f is happening with this amber heard johnny depp trial she's in crackers that's bananas but i came across an article the other day she pooped on his bed <laughs> yeah there was that yeah yeah there was that so yeah, i came across an article steamer, right? TJ, TJ, we're not done working yet. (laughs) So I came across an article that was about the video hall of fame. The video game hall of fame just announced its four inductees for the year. And that is Miss Pac-Man, which we just talked about. Dance Dance Revolution, Sid Meier's Civilization. Mm -hmm. And then one that I am shocked you actually didn't pick, which was The Legend of Zelda, The Ocarina of Time. I was I was this close. I and all four close. of those uh, were considered having an influence on popular culture and the video gaming industry, according to a statement from the World Video Game Hall of Fame, which is hosted at the Strong National Museum of Play, which is actually in Rochester, New York. So those four got inducted. So congratulations, guys. Mm-hmm. All right. And I think Dance Dance Revolution is the one that's the most recent. Is of that... those three, it would be. Yeah. Well, no, of the four. Because you have civilization. How is Miss just getting in? I don't yeah. know. I don't know because it was That's released like the in Doobie 19... Brothers having to wait 20 years to get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> so, it was but... it was 1981. It's it's 40 years it's old. 41 years old. Yeah. So anyway, that's I just thought I would throw that in as another little fun fact that those four games got inducted another little into fun the fact. Fun fact. Well, another little fun fact. Got inducted into the video game Hall of Fame. Okay, so uh, for our next subject, we decided that we were going to do, um, I feel like there's going to be some overlap on here, and we will pick one song each to highlight on the show, and so we decided that we were going to cover the our, our top 10 comedy or novelty songs. Now, T, yep. what <clears throat> made you pick this? I don't remember. Um, I just randomly sometimes think of topics. And I'll just send you an updated list. For some reason, I was—I don't know if I just heard a funny song or, or what, but I was like, eh, we should do novelty songs. But, okay, so there has to be some criteria laid down. All of us are huge Weird Al Yankovic fans. So we pretty much decided you can only have two repeats. So it can't be like nine Weird Al songs and then Oh, I thought we, I thought that we, I just thought that Weird Al was off the table. table. 
Uh, no, he's not off the table, but you can only uh, pick two of his songs. Yeah, no, we, I don't think oh, we, wow. we did. So, um, you know what? On the top, uh, I'm just going to say uh, Saga Begins is one of the greatest parody songs of all time. Yup, sure is. So, uh, who's going to go first? I think I'm going to go last on this one. Okay. Uh, A, because my list is obscenely long, but I could <laughs> whittle some off if y'all pick them. So, okay. I'm, I'm just going to let you two go first. Okay. So, uh, Mr. Thrill, why don't you go first? Okay, well, I was unaware that the Great Weird Al was was viable, so I might have to slot him in for one of my picks, um, which actually is probably because I have to slot out one of my picks, because are we permitted to do holiday songs, or are we holding off on that one? We're going to hold no, off on in, holiday. In, in, any, gonna... any comedy slash um, T, I said song. T, I said no Christmas songs, specifically because we will do this at Christmas time. Okay, well, I have one on my list, and I'm going to read it anyway. Well, <laughs> you suck. <laughs> Just All one. Right. Just 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 one. I'll if you one. have a ridiculous amount, then just take the Christmas song off. It'll only take a second. I, I, I don't think either of you are like it, I, neither of you is going to pick it. I promise. If it's Grandma got run over by a reindeer, yeah, it's not. No, no, it's not. It's not, and it's not any of the iterations of that song that followed because he because <laughs> Doctor Elmo did like a hundred. He and Patsy were married. Did you know that? No. The Doctor Elmo, Elmo and Patsy were married, and they got divorced. Oh wow! And if those two crazy kids can't make it. What chance do any of us have? It's grim. It is grim. We've right. been married. We both of us have been married for over a decade. I think we're fine. Yeah, we're probably okay, actually. I think we're doing just just fine. It's all good. Okay, so I'm actually going to then slot out a pick and slot in a pick from the great weird Al Yankovic, and there are so many you could choose from. I'm going to pick the one song Weird Al actually said is the closest thing he ever wrote to a love song. You make me. Yay. Yep. I'm sorry. Do you are you are you holding for applause? No, no. I was just I was finishing <laughs> my thought. Um, I forget what album it's off originally, but this song is just insanely comical. I think it embodies everything Weird Al stands for, including great lines like "You make me want to hide a weasel in my shorts." So, it's just a classic, and it's again the thing he says closest to a love song. Uh, next, I'm going to take you back to a more charming era, the mid-90s. Does everyone remember the joy of hidden tracks when you bought a CD? Absolutely. Yep. And I then, might know uh, where you're going with this. If you're, are you going towards some men who, grown men who dressed up like monkeys? I am not. Oh, okay. I think so, I know where you're going. Okay. I think, I think TJ may be onto it. Okay. This comes from the sophomore effort of the Stone Temple Pilots. Yup. The <laughs> second album. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Well, Christmas <laughs> the Johnny like Mathis parody. Oh, I remember hearing that and thinking, what is this? And it's funny because the whole thing leading up to it is, you know, a grunge album. And then it, you get that. <laughs> you get that big, that, that super cheesy big band thing. And if you're mm -hmm. like me, you're playing purple. You're drunk. <laughs> you're you're listening you to it while you're yeah. playing Madden 96. And the last song plays. And then there's a long pause. And then that starts. Exactly. Yeah. Um, controversial opinion. Purple is a better album than core, but that's for another agree. time. <laughs> oh, I actually, okay. absolutely agree with that. <sighs> would we be remiss if we left Monty Python off this list? Oh, oh I've got a Monty Python. Let's see if we have the same one. I have like five here. So okay. I think LD, I, I know you've got a Monty Python on there somewhere, right? I do not. I, I think I'm going to have to go with a classic here. Go with the Lumberjack song. Yeah, okay. okay, all right. Now, we got we have different ones. Okay. Um, I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. Okay. I all night and I work. I mean, just 
just gorgeous in every way. And again, there's so much. And a bar. And hang around in bars. Um, Anyway, you have so many to pick from there, but that's going to be the one that stands out to me. I'll leave the rest up to you. Next comes from our dear friends, Napoleon the 14th. Yep. They're they're coming to take me away. Ha ha. They're coming to take me away. Ho ho. I, I, I almost put that one on there. Um, I, I did leave that one off, but I can offer you a fun fact. Fun, fun fact. fact. The B-side of the original vinyl 45 was, they're coming to take me away, ha-ha, backwards. <laughs> so most people that bought that album, you have a treat. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And the greatest hits of Napoleon the 14th. Yes, Napoleon is his, the medley of his many hits. <laughs> yes. And again, I think we'd be remiss if we left off Dennis Leary but not the one you think. Traditional Irish folk song. That's what I'm oh, going with. Okay. Mm. Anything right. with the chorus of we have no heads is worth a chuckle. Yep. Then comes a little ditty from the mid-90s. Does everyone remember Bree Sharp? I remember the name. Bree Sharp. I don't she, think I do. She wrote a love opus to David Duchovny. And the called, song is called... Uh, David Duchovny, why don't you <laughs> why love don't me? Why don't you love me? Yeah, that was a I do remember. Song. Okay, now I do. Yes. Yes. Again, charming little ditties embodied by the mid-90s and, of course, the X-Files craze. That one is just makes me smile. <laughs> now now knowing what we know about David Duchovny, I'm pretty sure if she just kind of tried, yeah. he probably... Yeah, I, I think it would be reciprocal, um, <laughs> to say the least. As we round Mulder, out... Mulder, I hardly know her. Scully? <laughs> I, oh, that doesn't work. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> rounding out our top five and rounding out is fully intentional. Spinal Tap, Big Bottom. Yep. All right, fair, fair. I mean, you could go a lot of directions, but that one just stands out. Let's be honest. Uh, you're going to notice a theme in my top three. Um, this one I'm attributing to SNL, and that is, of course, one. Put your dick in the box. Two. two. Got a hole <laughs> no, in the box. No, 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 no. Why, yeah, why, why are you putting the whole? Oh, I you're did it all just, wrong. You did it wrong. <sighs> you just... You messed it up. You know, I did. This is why I can't let you wrap Christmas presents because you do it wrong. After disclosing what I just did, it's probably best you don't let me wrap presents anymore. What have you been doing this whole time? (sighs) Whatever I did, Justin Timberlake and Ed Helms got it right with Dick in a Box. So classic. Uh, Following that up again, staying with a rather phallic tone here. We have Flight of the Concords with too many dicks on the dance floor. That's a, it's great. That was it's literally my hysterical. It was that was my introduction to Flight of the Concords, and then he did Shiny for shiny. Moana. But he's all isn't he also on the quiz? No, he's not. On the no, quiz. I haven't seen him. No, he's not on the quiz. I Never mind. If he was, we found we found uh, this thing called the Big Fat Quiz of Everything, and it's a show from BBC Two, I think, and it is one of the most hysterical things i've ever seen in my life it's phenomenal got it but he's it's, not it's amazing jerome jerome has not been on the the quiz yet i'm thinking of somebody else and, and to be fair flight of the concords has several offerings that could have made this list but that's what i'm going with are we playing a song today or no yeah we're playing one song this is the one you're gonna play my number one as i was screaming it at the top of my lungs one birthday comes from da vinci's notebook and that is of course i take a look at my my enormous enormous penis penis. that's right enormous (laughs) penis by da vinci's notebook Okay, hang on enormous penis here's what i found okay (laughs) it's a picture of me (laughs) here we go Um, all right here is 
Da Vinci's Notebook with Enormous Penis. Whenever life gets you down, keeps you wearing a frown, and the gravy train has left you behind. And when you're all out of hope, down at the end of your rope, and nobody's there to throw you a line. If you ever get so low that you don't know which way to go, come on and take a walk in my shoes. Never worry about a thing, got the world on a string, cause I've got the cure for all of my blues. I take a look at my enormous penis And my troubles start a-melting away I take a look at my enormous penis And the happy times are coming to stay I gotta sing and I dance when I glance in my pants And the feeling's like a sunshiny day Jaunty tune? I think it's a that, jaunty that tune. That is a jaunty, jaunty tune. Quite it's jaunty. Very, yes, jaunty tune. Jaunty mm-hmm. tune. Right, am I up? That's my list. You're up. All right. I literally just uh, uh, wrote things down because apparently I didn't understand the assignment. So I don't have like stories that go with it. Just the fact that I would like to say that I did not put one single They Might Be Giant song on here, nor did Ooh. I put any Weird Al Yankovic because I feel like both of their catalogs are so large that the only one I could like for They Might Be Giants would be Particle Man um, because that was the first one I ever heard and I heard it on Tiny Toon Adventures. And I was like, what is this music? <laughs> and then uh, my uncle, well, my uncle, my, my brother-in-law, Bob, bought me Flood in 1991. <laughs> and it was amazing. So neither Weird Al or They Might Be Giants are on my list. Just know that they're in my heart. I'm and embarrassed really I didn't include They Might Be Giants. Well, they're amazing, but yeah. uh, I, maybe we can create our own list of, uh, of something having to do with them 
in some future episode. Don't worry. We'll figure out a way to shoehorn them in. So for my first one, I have got, because I think my family knows how much of a SNL buff I am to the point where I can whip pretty much anyone's butt at Trivial Pursuit SNL version. Hmm. Depends on the era. So of course there's going to be one song from SNL. In fact, I actually have two songs from SNL, but the first one is the classic that is Steve Martin's King Tut. Absolutely. So there was a discussion about uh, King Tut recently on Twitter. Yeah. Why was it going viral? I remember that Uh, it was. Okay, so there are a lot of young people who had never heard it and they didn't understand it. And then you had morons who claimed he was culturally appropriating when, in fact, he was, it was actually a statement against the commercialization of, like, ancient artifacts and things. So if you, uh, you know, scream cultural appropriation at Steve Martin, you're a moron. (laughs) <laughs> you're a moron you're a yep. big stupid douche who needs to keep their mouth shut also i feel like we need learn to, to read lyrics you dick <laughs> i think we need to like have a cutoff date where things can be canceled like well at some point but also un- i i agree with you but also understand what the read the lyrics and, and understand what the song is about yeah i mean absolutely absolutely and also, King, it's on I, SNL. I, I'm going to get parody. real defensive about anything with Steve Martin because he's one of my comedy heroes. And he's also oh, a genius, and he can play the banjo like a king. Yes, he is. He's a damn good banjo player. Yeah, he is a fantastic banjo. I do player. believe he's actually won a Grammy because of his banjo playing. Has yeah. has played with like Lester Flat, I think, yeah. or so, Earl Scruggs, whichever one le- played the banjo. You leave Steve Martin alone. Yep. My next one is one of my my personal heroes, someone that was introduced to me when I was maybe seven years old comedy genius in my eyes when he was and will always always have a place in my heart and i cannot believe that he's still going after all these years and that is ray stevens hmm. with with the streak uh, you that's the streak? one that i had on my list oh let's see if you got the other one <laughs> don't just... look ethel <laughs> it's too late it's already <laughs> it's just... been moved that's such a good song my third one of course because i at least have to somehow shoehorn in a musical and the reason why i put this one in is because uh, tim curry is a freaking legend and i chose the time warp as a novelty song sure okay from, that, 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 that fits absolutely yep from the rocky horror picture show i feel like if it's i feel like it's a novelty song if it can be played at a particular holiday and i, I feel like time warp is not only timeless but it's also very much kind of on the same vein as thriller where you played at halloween it's like right. one of those and, you know, Halloween there's songs. A, there's a big difference between every comedy song is, is not a novelty song and every comedy song is not a novelty song. It, it's it's because like the jingle dogs, you know, the dogs barking <laughs> jingle bells, <laughs> it oh. is a novelty, yeah, is a novelty is song. The, it's not a comedy song. The cats, the cats doing meowy Christmas. The jingle cats. Jingle cats. <laughs> the first time I, I, I played the jingle dogs, uh, over the over my uh, through my speakers, I got two or three years ago. My dogs lost their ever loving minds. <laughs> they just went nuts. Tucker went running through the house. Like he 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 lo- absolutely lost his mind to the point that he's like running through. You, those bitches better have a hall pass. Where are they? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So my number four is. Uh, one that people might find a little bit creepy, but I think it's really interesting. They used it in a film called Jeepers Creepers, 
And that is Tiptoe Through the Tulips with Me by Tiny Tim. Uh, Tiny Tim. And uh, I actually heard a phrase that I had never heard uh, while I was listening to a piece on him somewhere on YouTube. It was like people who had died in front of their audience. Yes. And Hey, you know what? I have one on my list. Interesting. Okay, hold that. Hold that thought. But I, I heard a phrase that I'd never heard before, and that is ukulele hall of fame <laughs> i mean <laughs> and at that point i stopped listening and tried to There's figure out what that these are tiny tim and darn Hussle. no it's got to be the, the guy ukulele? oh the guy who uh i gosh i will never get his name right because it's hawaiian but he's like their whole the the guy who did uh somewhere over the rainbow yes he uh, passed away cannot, right? yeah he passed away he unfortunately did. he is he is eligible for this podcast which is really sad because he was I like think of his name um, it's like i it starts with an i and i, I think so yeah oh my god i'm so sorry and the, the funny thing is, is like there are people out there right now they're listening to this podcast that are screaming at us they're like it's bad and you will never feel more like a ghost than listening to a podcast knowing an answer and listening to the host struggle with the answer but yeah uh tiny tim uh then I have one that is actually on the list that I like was compiling. It wasn't attributed to the person that I thought it was attributed to. It's attributed to someone called the Chips, but I know it from the Blues Brothers, and that is Rubber Biscuit. Rubber Biscuit? What do you want for nothing? Rubber Biscuit? Rubber Biscuit. Hey, um, Real quick, because we have the collective knowledge of all mankind since the beginning of time at our fingertips, I looked it up. It's Israel. Okay, I'm going to ask you to stop. Are you sure you looked it up? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I'll just stop there. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Uh, My next one, I know my brother knows because he introduced it to me, and that is Julie Brown with the Homecoming Queen's Got a Gun. Uh, oh, nice. another, uh, another one that i had on my list i feel Everybody like body run yeah i i feel like oh, we're gonna have some overlap so uh but, if you like, guys what, know, an, what an underappreciated comic talent julie brown is was yes and those and for those who don't know downtown julie brown and julie brown were two different people that were on mtv at around the same time downtown julie brown was wubba 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 and did club mtv julie oh. brown was the redhead who did um she had a couple of shows on mtv i want to say she did she did i could not have been bothered to look them and up may have had one Comedy Central a little later yeah she's is she's she? great she has she had a couple great songs and they're all hilarious and 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 she acted she was in uh earth girls are easy am i right yes i i want to yes, say yes that was starring jeff goldblum and, <laughs> and jim carrey Yep. And who was the third one? It Marlon Wayans. I think so. No, wait, look it up. You have the collective knowledge Quick, of all yeah. mankind in your hand. Damon. Damon Wayans. Damon Wayans. Okay. David Wayans. Okay. Not okay. Yep, yep. okay. All right. So uh, that that was my number six. My number seven is I don't know who this is, Lonzo and Oscar, because I only know the version that was done by Willie Nelson. And that is my, I am my own grandpa. Yep. Did Willie do it originally? Or? No, I don't think so. I think this is attributing to the actual first oh, okay. people, which is Lonzo and Oscar. I know that there, there are a lot there's of, a lot of, of um, old country songs that would kind of fit into the category of 
sort of being novelty or comedy. I'm thinking like drop kick me Jesus to the goalpost of life and you're the reason our <laughs> kids are ugly and stuff like that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, so so if you guys have never heard I am my own grandpa, it is convoluted AF, but it is art. It's great. Now I'm going to go with one that my brother might not be familiar with, but he, you know what? Sometimes he surprises me. I chose The Lonely Island again from SNL with I'm on a boat. Classic. Mm, I do not know that one. It's, uh, it's, it's The Lonely Island. So it's the same guys who did Chronicles of Narnia and technically Dick in a Box. So okay. that was uh, all the same time. I uh, had a guest spot by T-Pain and it was awesome unexpected and hilarious my next one is jimmy buffett why don't we get drunk yup <laughs> forgot about that one yeah um i'm not gonna finish the the full title of that song because we with everything we've said is that the most offensive thing Brit, like really i know that, <laughs> I mean, that, that's fair. the bridge too far <laughs> i'm just trying to think of our we've gone ones. over the bridge oh it's it's we're way over the bridge Further over the bridge. We've gone further over the bridge than Ted Kennedy. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Womp womp. Chap Chapaquitic. Chapaquitic. Is that right? I've been there. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> My next one is, and I, I guarantee you, I can almost guarantee you. Let's let's make a friendly bet right now, Mr. Will the Thrill. Okay. If this is on my brother's list, you have to empty out the dishwasher. I probably have to anyway, but 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 please I mean, go ahead. All right. T, honest right. answer. Okay. Did you have the members of the Chicago Bears with the Super Bowl shuffle? I did not. Oh, good. Should have. Uh, Thank you for not, because now I don't have to empty the dishwasher. Thank you, TJ, too. I'm Actually, the fridge, and I'm the rookie. I may be large, but I'm no dumb no cookie. Dumb cookie. <laughs> we are God, what a bunch of badasses those guys were. Samurai <sighs> Mike and the fridge. <laughs> the fridge. Dude, William Refrigerator Perry was by far and away my favorite football player pretty much of all time and the only person who barely eclipses him is clay matthews because clay matthews uh came into my restaurant and tips well um he, he's a super nice guy his whole family actually comes in because um the training camp is in agora hills and i used to work in the restaurant there so clay matthews dad would come in his brother casey came in and they're just like the nicest people in the world so I never got to meet William Refrigerator Perry, but pretty much he was the only athlete other than Drew Brees that I've ever had a shirt. I, I was going to say Drew Brees has to be on your list, right? Oh, Drew Brees is totally Imagine. on my list. And, uh, you know, other than the whole like Vax thing, like Aaron Rodgers, super hot. I could just look at Aaron Rodgers all day. Anyway. Dan Hampton, <laughs> Steve McMichael, Samurai Mike. <laughs> Samurai Mike Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> the song that we're gonna play is a classic it is one of the songs that that i was raised on it's one of the funniest songs ever people have done it at karaoke and i will lose my mind and that is the mississippi squirrel revival there it is by ah. ray stevens so that's what we're going to listen to right now kids here we go Well, when I was a kid, I'd take a trip every summer down to Mississippi, visit my granny and her antebellum world. I'd run barefooted all day long, climbing trees free as a song. One day, I happened to catch myself a squirrel. 
Well, I stuffed him down in an old shoebox and punched a couple holes in the top. When Sunday came, I snuck him into church. I was sitting way back in the very last pew, showing him to my good buddy Hugh. When that squirrel got loose, went totally berserk. But what happened next is hard to tell. Some thought it was heaven, some thought it was hell. But the fact that something was among us was plain to see. As the choir sang, I surrender all, the squirrel ran up Harv Newland's coveralls. And Harv leaped to his feet and said, something's got a hold on me. Yeah! The day the squirrel went berserk. In the first self-righteous church In that sleepy little town of Pascagoula It was a fight for survival That broke out in revival They were jumping pews and shouting hallelujah Well, Harv hit the aisle dancing and screaming Some thought he had religion, others thought he had a demon And Harv thought he had a weed eater loose And he screwed the looms he fell to his knees to plead and beg, and that squirrel ran out of his breeches leg, unobserved, to the other side of the room. All the way down to the amen pew, where sat Sister Bertha better than you, who'd been watching all the commotion with sadistic glee. <laughs> Should have seen that look in her eyes when that squirrel jumped her garters and crossed her thighs. She jumped to her feet and said, Lord, have mercy on me. As that squirrel made laps inside her dress, she began to cry and then to confess the sins and make a sailor blush with shame. She told of gossip and church dissension, but the thing that got the most attention is when she talked about her love life. And then she started naming names the day the squirrel went berserk in the first self-righteous church in that sleepy little town of Pascagoula. It was a fight for survival that broke out in Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Seven deacons and the pastor got saved, and $25,000 was raised, and 50 volunteered for missions in the Congo on the spot. <laughs> and even without an invitation, there were at least 500 rededications, and we all got rebaptized whether we needed it or not. Now you've heard the Bible story, I guess, how he parted the waters for Moses to pass all oh, the miracles God has wrought in this old world. The one I'll remember till my dying day is how he put that church back on the narrow way with a half-crazed Mississippi squirrel. The day the squirrel went berserk in the first self-righteous church in that sleepy little town of Pascagoula. It was a fight for survival that broke out in revival. They were jumping pews and shouting hallelujah. The day the squirrel went berserk in the first self-righteous church In a stupid little town of Pascagoula It was a fight for survival That broke out in revival They were jumping pews God, I love that song so much. Oh, it's a banger. Love it. Love it, love it. Classic. And, and like, the thing is, Ray Stevens has got some great <clears throat> songs like Used Cars and Guitars and And, you know, yeah, of course, Help Me Make It Through the Night. Sorry, Will, I didn't choose that one. But... Uh, one of my misty, which is not a, which is not a comedy song. No, and he also did everything is beautiful. Yep, which sure is did. one of Mom's favorite songs. She was like, "I like Ray Stevens when he's funny, but I love him when he's serious." And I'm like, "It's a great song. It's a great song." He also did one for 911 that uh, that hit real hard. And uh, is that yeah. Osama your mama? No, no. Um, I don't <laughs> no, know. He the did. Actual... He did do Osama your mama. I believe. Uh, I wouldn't doubt it. 
but he he's still going and uh i'm gonna go ahead and say this right now when he does sadly become eligible for this podcast i'm probably gonna have to claim him that's fair and isn't am i not am i wrong is he not a direct blood descendant of jefferson davis he might be you can double check me on that I, i don't think i'm making that up no that doesn't sound like a drunken fever dream that you would have yeah I'll look it up. What what's our president? Our president is who are we related to? Which president? Johnson, Jackson, Jackson, one of them. Jackson. I I think it's Jackson because at one point he was from South Carolina. Screw you, North Carolina. He was born here. (laughs) Stop claiming him. He signed a letter saying he was from South Carolina. Uh, Also, I think at one point, Grandma, when I'd I'd done something bad, I'd done something really bad, and so I was going to get a whooping. And so grandma made me go pick out a switch and she said, I'm a whoop you like our ancestors. So that would make sense because I think he beat Old someone. To, yeah, he beats them to death with a stick. And well, he also uh, survived a, a, an assassination attempt with two guns. <laughs> yeah, he did. And when he was 13, he was captured by British troops and, and uh, a British soldier told him to like clean his boots and jackson like spit in his face and so that the, the the british soldier whacked him in the face with a sword wow. <laughs> and so he had a permanent he had a he had a permanent scar from his cheek down to his mouth our, our family just doesn't know when to shut up do we, <laughs> we don't know when to stop <laughs> and we're making our ancestors proud absolutely <laughs> All right, who's who's got to do what next? What's happening? Uh, I, I'm up next on the um, the comedy slash novelty song list. Comedian. Okay. Okay, so I didn't follow the rules like even kinda. <laughs> the <laughs> Why rules, am I not which, shocked? The rules which I established and then violated. So <laughs> um, my list is a little longer than ten, like um, double that. So. What I'm going to do is I'm just, I'm literally going to blow through half the list. If y'all want to talk about any of them, just tell me to stop. Okay. All right. No, we had, we had three, we had three in common. Homecoming Queen's Got a Gun, The Streak, and Mississippi Squirrel Revival. I had those three. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll blow through uh, like another half of the list. Uh, Marin Cadell, The Sweater. Oh my God. Like he looks away and then you walk away and then you smell the sweater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the oh yeah, my god, slightly, you... they slightly goat like smell that all teenage boys possess. I remember you playing that at WGCD and howling like a friggin' idiot. Yes, uh, and it was actually just like like it was spoken word, and she was speaking over an old instrumental. Is it Walk and Talk? The boom, da, boom, da, boom, 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 boom. do not remember. I think it was Walk and Talk. You can double check me on that. But Marion Cadell, The Sweater, that's kind of a forgotten one I really like. Um, Please, Mr. Cusker by Larry Vern. I don't know that one. I don't know that one either. Yeah. Please, Mr. Custer, I don't want to go. It, it's about one of George Custer's soldiers who doesn't who had a bad dream about what was going to happen at Little Bighorn. <laughs> okay. And uh, and uh, it was, that was well-founded because they all died. All of them. Every single one of them, except uh, that horse. Comanche was the horse's name, by the way. Um, I'm going to throw out a Weird Al song. How about Polka Your Eyes Out? Good one. It's a good one, yeah. One, that was one, the one, one that of started my all-time all. favorite. One of my favorite polka uh, mashups he ever did. Uh, one Piece at a Time by Johnny Cash. Okay. Girl on LSD by Tom Petty. 
the Dope Smoking song by Trent Summer and the New Row Mob. Uh, the Happy Boy song by Country Dick and the Beat Farmers. He, the Beat uh, Farmers, he, yeah. He died on stage. He he is the person I alluded to. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. he I, I believe, had a heart attack on stage, and he, he literally died on stage playing a concert. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my last one that I'm just running through, uh, this one uh, hits close to home for you and I, LD. Yeah. The Pride of Chester, the Pride of Chester, South Carolina. A classmate of our mother's, Donnie Murray with Rudolph the Redneck Reindeer. <laughs> nice. <laughs> where, uh, where Rudolph's like drunk and chewing tobacco and Santa whips his ass and makes him get on the sled and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, the rest of mine are in no particular order. Uh, up first, I do have a Christmas song. That is Merry Christmas from the Family by Robert Earl Keane. I thought we discussed that we were not going to do Christmas songs. Okay, so, so okay, I actually had two. Sorry. Uh, Robert O'Keefe, this was the first song of his I ever heard. And I heard another one after this called Swerving in My Lane and a <laughs> couple other ones that were funny. And I was like, oh, this is like a funny kind of country guy. But then you start listening to his music and you realize, no, those are the outliers. He's like a serious songwriter and one of the best ones to ever do it. Sadly, he is on his farewell tour. Uh, hopefully I'm going to get to see him uh, before he, he leaves the road forever in, uh, in September. But he's, he's, one of my, he's one of my favorite songwriters. That's a great song. Uh, my family has had Merry Christmas from the family themed parties before where they really? where all of, all of the items that he mentions are present, including tampons, Salem lights, fake snow, <laughs> uh, diet, right? The whole, the whole bit, all of it. Um, up next for me is my second weird out entry. And this is, the a rarity for him. This is not a parody song, but this is just a song I've always loved of his off the uh, off the Deep End album. You don't love me anymore. That's a good great song. song. Good, yeah. good song. Absolutely. Still holding that. that the saga begins is the best because you know what? I, I, I don't disagree with you. I'm going, I do not disagree with you. I'm going off on a, a name dropping tangent for a second. Uh, okay. I was uh, playing a a truant student in the movie Seventeen again. So I was supposed to be sitting outside waiting for the principal and sitting across from me. If you guys know who was in that movie, it was Zac Efron and Tom Lennon. Now I could not give two flying fricks about Zac Efron at this time. <laughs> Did not care for him. I think now he's phenomenal. I thought he was great in um, the Ted Bundy movie and he was awesome in uh, the greatest showman. So I've got, Hey, hey, hey time out real quick. Interesting. You mentioned Ted Bundy, but I'll get there in just a minute. Okay. Okay. Then. So, so Tom Lennon is a comedy God to me. Um, and so I'm kind of just awestruck, but I'm trying not to make eye contact with him. Cause I don't want to be that weirdo. who's just like staring at Tom Lennon. And so I realized that they're trying to figure out the words to the saga begins and they can't quite get it. And so I start singing it and then they pick up where I'm at. And so now I'm sitting in a fake principal's office with Zac Efron and Tom Lennon singing my favorite Weird Al song and my day could not have gone any better. And um, so, yeah, I didn't actually want to tell Tom Lennon that story. We'll get to that later though. But uh, that, they apparently now Tom Lennon and Weird Al are best friends. Wow. 
They have and, been for some time now. And they, yeah, but it was just for some reason, like he couldn't remember the words. And I was like, I got you, Tom Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my story. Sweet. Uh, up next for me, this is one from the early 90s. This was a band that they had these two or three sort of outlier novelty-ish songs. They actually got, and these got them a lot of attention. They started drawing more people into their concerts. So what they started doing was they did their two or three funny songs like first in their set. And then the people who just came to hear those could leave and their hardcore fans could hear their regular music. It's a band called King Missile and it's <gasps> Detachable Penis. Classic. Oh, good one. And I don't know what's funnier. The, the whole song, which is about a guy who has a detachable penis and he loses it. He calls all his friends and they haven't seen it. And he ends up finding like a guy on the street corner has his, his penis laying on a blanket and he's selling it. And he has to like dicker, <laughs> dicker for his, for, he talks the guy down from $22 to 12 to buy his penis back. The whole thing, story. Or, or the fact that the last minute of the song is just, uh, 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 oh, detachable penis. Okay. So over without, without, Without spoiling anything, did anybody pick any songs by Tenacious D? Because I feel like they're underrepresented. He made my scratch list. Oh, okay. No, I, did not, I did not put one. Ah, oh, come on, dude. Dave Grohl played the devil. I know. Uh, up next for me is one of my all-time favorite comedians. That would be Tim Wilson with It's a Sorry World. And this song is noteworthy for, for one. Uh, a, it's it's an hysterically funny, but it contains the very the line that punches me and uh, LD right in the, uh, in the old nuts, and it's um, you can be a governor at 21 or the president at 35. You can be the senator from South Carolina if you can just stay alive. <laughs> <laughs> Keep wow. in mind, at the time he recorded that song, our junior senator was 86 years old. Strom Thurmond, dude. Yes, yeah, yeah, Strom Thurmond and Fritz Hollings. Well, he's dead Combined now. Age, well, no, we was 75. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Tim saying we, we need to have an age cap on stuff, but you know, would it hurt? <laughs> At some point, you got to thank you. Well, he, and, and Strom did retire when he was 99. Unbelievable. <laughs> He's like, I got to quit my job before I get into triple digits. It was really hard for me to only pick two Tim Wilson songs, and he may not be super well known by all of our audience. He was from Augusta, Georgia. He played football at Presbyterian College in Clinton, South Carolina. Um, really? He was, he was a stand-up comedian, but he was also a musician, and he did really good. Re his funny songs were really good, really well-written, and he would have like excellent musicians play on them, like Dean Daughtry from Atlanta Rhythm Section, I think played on almost every one of his albums. Um, it's very sadly, Tim passed in, in 2014. Met him a couple of times. Got really drunk with him in Greenwood, South Carolina, at a bar called Stokies. <laughs> uh, oddly enough, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> as as you do, as you do. Uh, up next for me, Mojo Nixon. Debbie Gibson is pregnant with my two-headed love child. Oh my God, I forgot about that one. Now, really, the song is kind of nonsensical, but it contains the line. Rick Rick Ashley is a panty waist. Yep. Mash my butt in his face. That's that's poetry right there. <laughs> and would you and like a fun fact? Fun fact. Portraying the part of Debbie Gibson in the video. Do you remember who it was? Was it I actually Debbie Gibson? It was not actually Debbie Gibson. <laughs> uh, what, what year was it? This would have been about 88, I guess. 
Oh, um, I'm going to say down uh, Julie Brown. Winona Rotter. What? Really? Oh, you can go watch it. Gene's favorite person ever. Ever in the history of the world. Gene will get drunk and <laughs> message me on Facebook and be like, hey, have you talked to Winona lately? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Because you were, in fact, her, her stand-in or body double I was her. I was her stand-in, driving double, and body double for a movie. So I spent 28 days with her. Yes. Interesting. And uh, uh, I, Gene, for those who don't know, is Travis's cousin. Yep. If you guys um, don't know, me and my brother have a complicated family dynamic. Uh, maybe we'll go into it one day. We'll get but, into that some but, other time. But you uh, know what's funny is it's about as convoluted as I'm my own grandpa. Right. <laughs> A <laughs> uh, quick funny Mojo Nixon story. So he had a story called Don, or a song called Don Henley Must Die. I don't know if y'all remember that one. No. Don Henley Must Die. Don't want no Eagles reunion with him and Glenn Fry. Um, I forgot about so Mojo Nixon. Jeez. He's at, he's playing at a club in Austin, I think. And he goes into Don Henley Must Die. And a guy gets up from the audience, walks on the stage and starts singing it with him. It was Don Henley. <laughs> nice. That is amazing. Awesome. And so Mojo said, you know what? That guy has brass balls the size of church bells. And he retired that song. He actually rewrote it to be Michael Bolton Must Die. Oh, Michael Bolton. Yeah. Thank you. But he, but he never did Don Henley Must Die again. Whoa, whoa, he retired whoa, whoa. the song after that. T, uh, I didn't expect you to do it, but I'm actually ashamed of you, Mr. Thrill. It didn't make my list, I know. Well, it didn't make the list. If you guys Captain don't know. Jack Sparrow. Captain Jack Sparrow did not make the list, ah, the Michael oh, Bolton which classic. is also the Lonely Island, and it's hilarious. Yeah, I went with the Phallus one instead. <laughs> yeah, um, I sort of should have expected it. <laughs> yeah, it was really, it was really, really hard for me to narrow down and only pick two Tim Wilson songs. Um, but I, I could do a, a twenty-song playlist of just Tim Wilson songs, and and hell, I might <laughs> later. But I don't, uh, I, I don't I get acid. it. I picked Acid Country, which okay. contains one of the best lines in the history of music. Mama made a well-rounded outcast out of me. <laughs> <laughs> and also, th this is where Ted Bundy ties in. Okay, so Tim was a comedian, singer, but he was a, a historian, and he was just a super, super intelligent guy. He actually wrote a, a book that was not, a, not comedic in any way, where he hypothesized that Ted Bundy might have been responsible for a string of murders in Georgia. Interesting. Huh. And, and I mean, he studied timelines about where Bundy was on this day and that day and when he couldn't be accounted for and when they didn't know where he was. And well, this murder happened in Florida on this date. And then just across the line in Georgia, one happened like three days later. And Ooh. he tracks all that stuff. It's really fascinating stuff interesting huh. i might have to look that up look that up because um, as you guys know the whole reason why we're doing true crime is because i picked true crime <laughs> because she picked true crime I'll, I'll i'll kind of blow through a couple of these up next for me confederate railroad daddy cut the big one because it's about <laughs> somebody farting oh yeah confederate Fair. railroad was great uh you actually saw them in concert that was my very first of my me alone concert was confederate railroad was really? it Confederate Railroad and Little Texas or something? Yes, it was. And I saw them at the... Police the county, had the it was No, it was the county fair. It was one ah, county okay. fair. I want to say it was... Anderson, probably. No. 
No, it was not. It's um, maybe like Marlboro <laughs> County Fair or something like oh, that. Wow. Mom, mom had some kids singing in the county fair. Marlboro County, I believe, original home of Blenheim Ginger Ale. <laughs> Wouldn't that shock me? Yep, I've got, this was another group. I only put one of their songs. It was so hard to pick one. But in honor of the, the, the recently passed Naomi Judd, I'm going to go with Pinkerton Bowden's Mama, She's Lazy. Ah. Also could have picked The Ballad of Dick and Jane, Propane, which is hysterical, and then several of theirs, which I don't even think I can say the title, even on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> just just uh, going to have to trust me on that one. I think my last two, I've got uh, Rodney Carrington's Titties and Beer, and it's listed as being by Ren and Stimpy, and the song it's announced as being Stinky Whizzleteats. That would be Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy. Oh, happy, happy, such joy, a good joy, song. Happy, so the one I'm going to pick, though, I, I mentioned... Tim Wilson a couple of times, favorite comedian, did funny songs, great stand-up, and, and wrote a very serious non-comedic book. He did songs that were really funny story songs, and he did ones that skewered pop culture and politics, and they were super, they were very literate and intelligent, and well, they, they stand up even 20 and 30 years later because they're so well-written. But he could write really funny, dumb ones, too. And I want to listen to that one. This is a song that's like 50 seconds long. It's called Tammy and Randy. dumbest thing i've ever heard <laughs> and i've listened to our own podcast <laughs> i don't know the third oh, act really came together up. that's so stupid <laughs> so dumb Tabby and that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard I love it. oh my gosh <sighs> and i could have picked so many of his songs that are so funny and so well written and they're so timeless and i picked tammy and randy <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Woo. All right. Well, moving on. <laughs> if you're not familiar with him, look him up. He's got uh, better work than what I just played you. But I don't. I, that song just makes me laugh like a moron. Well, um, I don't know what to say after that. Yeah. Well, well, that happened. How do you, how do you follow that? <laughs> now, who could argue with that? Uh, right, right. All right. Well, okay. So next... Okay, we're going to have to put another, uh, you know, <laughs> if you hadn't noticed, most of this podcast is not good for kids today. Uh, so this next part coming up is definitely not okay for kids. I am very much into what I'm very much into, and I think most people know what I'm very much into, and that would be things like Chernobyl and the paranormal and musicals. But I am one of those who can fall asleep to true crime documentaries like it ain't no thing. It's white noise to me. Uh, 
by the way, uh, not Peter Coyote, but what's the guy who does the the voiceover for Forensic Files? Is that Peter Coyote? No, it's Bill something. Bill Curtis. Bill Curtis. Bill Curtis. Yeah. Bill Curtis. Okay. Voice like an angel. Robert Stack, Unsolved Mysteries. We have fallen asleep to him many a night. But I, I don't know why there is this big wave of true crime interest. So with podcasts like you know, serial, my favorite murder, or someone knows something like all these different podcasts who cover true crime and do it infinitely better than we do. And probably one of my favorites, by the way, is Hollywood crime scene. Hello, Rachel. Hello, Desi. Two of my favorite Bowdy ladies. Uh, we're very much into true crime in this household. And uh, so we actually wanted to cover true crime stories from our hometown. Now, there was one small caveat. I come from a town of like 200 people. And it's a little town called Slidell. Not much happens there. It, well, it, it's much bigger now. It's grown considerably. But yes, when you were when you were born there, it was tiny. It was very tiny. Um, and I think during Katrina, a lot of it, unfortunately, kind of got wiped off. Really got actually did drive through it not too long ago. It's it's grown considerably and they've built it back. But yeah, it, took, okay, it, good. it took it on the chin big time from Katrina, for sure. Yeah, I know that that was one of the places that was hit the hardest by Katrina. That wasn't Nolans. But since my town at the time was very small, uh, we came up with a caveat that we were allowed to choose the largest city that's close to you. So I think, Will the Thrill, you should go first and let us know, you know, where you're from originally and tell us the case that you're going to cover. Very well. Many of you know me as the guy from New Jersey, and that's where I spent the bulk of my young adult slash formative years, but I was actually born in Connecticut. Now, for this exercise, that was particularly challenging because Connecticut routinely comes up in the top seven or eight of safest states in the United States. So I was born in a town called Norwalk. Closest major city, I think, would be Danbury, uh, which doesn't offer a whole lot. And when I looked into true crime for this one, I actually found a case that did not receive justice for 33 years. Wow. Yep. And that's the case of Kathleen Flynn. So we go back to 1986. Kathleen Flynn was 11 years old, and she attended a local school in Norwalk, Connecticut. So at this point, I'm about seven years old. She is abducted by a man named Mark Karen, who basically does the, hey, you know, I've got something to show you. She goes along with it, deviates from her walk from home. He lures her away and needless to say, he ends up sexually assaulting her and actually strangling her with an electrical wire. So he stashes the body. Little girl doesn't come home. Family starts looking. They find her not far from the school. And of course, investigation is launched. Uh, Karen, Mark Karen had a past. He was actually accused of sexual assault earlier that year. He was a prime suspect in the Flynn case. However, a lot of things just didn't line up to get the conviction. Uh, for example, there was a report from a local who was driving saying that her car was struck by Karen as he was allegedly leaving the school but it turned out that he had an alibi so that didn't pan out they even collected dna evidence from karen they collected hair but nothing really matched so for a number of reasons they just couldn't get a conviction no matter what so basically karen goes free and continues to be um you know pardon my french but a piece of shit scumbag as he continues to sexually assault several other young women in up until about 1990 there were about four cases brought up with this with this just dirt bag. Uh, and they all involved being bound with electrical wire. 
So that became kind of his calling card. Now, Katie Flynn was the only one he had actually murdered, but the other women were sexually assaulted. So they can't get anything on him. He's, you know, brought up on charges for sexual assault, but this murder just doesn't stick. So the case eventually goes cold. Until 2002, uh, the Police Detective Bureau in Connecticut actually picks it up and they start weighing this evidence again and they track Karen to his home. Who know He now lives in Maine and they went, brought up the old DNA evidence and they got a warrant for new DNA evidence from under his fingernails. And whatever magic they worked was able to take the DNA from the time uh, Kathleen was murdered and match it up with Karen. And finally, in 2019, he was arrested. So after 33 years, the Flynn family got justice. And thankfully, Karen was thrown into prison where it, it's exactly where he should be. That, that's that 33 yeah. years, my Lord. Yeah. 33 years, yeah. And a lot of it's due to forensic technology advancing. Again, just things just didn't line up. In fact, the original detective on the case passed away in 2013, cited before he passed that not seeing the end of it was one of his biggest regrets in law enforcement. Yeah. But thankfully, again, the case was picked up and Karen is in jail where he belongs. And where it sounds like he, he belongs. Yeah. I, I wrote about a case, was going to cover the, the, uh, the person's trial, but he ended up taking a plea deal mm-hmm. where he was arrested for a murder like a year ago from the mm-hmm. 1970s oh geez wow was it a similar case where like forensic evidence was you know not lining up or was it something else so what happened was there was no there were no leads but they, they did get some dna evidence but it was just kind of put in a locker and left there for like ever huh and the former sheriff decided hey why don't i submit this to sled which is south carolina's fbi basically okay uh and they put his dna in a database so when this guy got arrested for something else, I think relatively minor, but, well, not minor because they, it was enough that they took a DNA swab, mm-hmm. it matched. Hmm. And he was arrested for a murder uh, of a woman who was abducted from like a textile plant in Chester, South Carolina in the 1970s, beaten, raped, and strangled to death and oh, left wow. on a roadside. Oof. But they, but the, the match was made. He was arrested a, a year and a half ago, I want to say. But he was, the, the murder was in like 1976. Wow. Yeah. So it was like pushing, it was 45, 44 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is kind of frightening because around this time frame, you know, again, Kathleen is 11. My older sister at this point would have been around the same age. And, you know, we would have been in that area. So it's a little creepy for me to think about it now uh, that, you know, wrong block, who knows? But, you know, thankfully they got him finally, but it took 33 years to convict him. That's amazing. Yeah, and that took place in the place where I was born, Norwalk, Connecticut. All right. Okay. TJ, you are up now, sir. What's what's the story? What's the buzz? Okay, stuff? so I was uh, born in Union, South Carolina. Still reside there. And LD did build in the caveat that if, if we wanted to pick something from a nearby big city, we could. But uh, there was a fairly famous one uh, from Union. Um, so I'm going to uh, stick with that. That would be susan smith god she's a nightmare she's like one of the worst she's diane downs level of psycho go back with me to 1994 october i believe i'm already there Uh, a young lady named susan smith claimed that she was carjacked and that an assailant took her car and her two infant children kidnapped them Mm -hmm. via carjacking i was 
19 at the time and in college, freshman or sophomore, I think. And I worked at the local radio station. So obviously, and we had a, this was a station that was very news heavy. So that was obviously a, a big story. It became a, a huge national story. And people everywhere were on the lookout for her car, per her telling, with her two infant children in it, having been carjacked and kidnapped by a, a quote, just random black man. Okay, so that was her story. She pulled up to a stoplight. There are no other cars there. A unknown black male carjacked her, drove off with her car and her two children. So this becomes a huge, huge national story for about a week. And, and again, I was 19. I was, I was working at the radio station. We did cover this story end to end, big, you know, it was obviously. But even at the young, dumb age of 19, when she did that last press conference with the forced tears, God, begging, it's, it's so begging for whoever took her children to return them. Even I, again, very, very young and not not real learned about such things, just watched it and said, something's not right. She, hmm. If you watch that where she's like, please bring my babies home. And you can tell her husband is legitimately a broken man. Like he's breaking down. He is upset. And she's just pushing out the crocodile tears. Like I watched that and cringed for him. Like, at that point, I was like, yeah, no, me doth think you protest too much, lady. I was like, she did it. She's, I thought, she and I didn't know exactly totally. what was all, but I knew, I knew then that her story was fabricated, it, that, that this didn't make sense. If you're legitimately a mother who had her two infant children stolen from her at gunpoint, you're not going to have to get up there and force the tears and the, the forced crack in the voice and stuff. It was, it was completely fake. It, it felt that way. But here's the thing. The minute that she told her version of the story, investigators knew she was lying. Yep. Because, and it's hard to explain the way roads run, but just trust me on this. There's a road that runs through the city of Union and goes to a little town called Monarch. And there's a stoplight, one stoplight in Monarch. And you come to that stoplight. And then once you go through that, it will take you through the country to a, another little town called Lockhart and then into Chester, hey, South Carolina, Lockhart. where I work. And you you, you, you two have been, been to Lockhart. Yes, we have. Okay, but the intersection where she says she hit a red light and stopped and there were no other cars coming and that's where she was abducted. It's not a four-way intersection. It's a three-way intersection. There's the road she's on that goes from the city of Union through Monarch into Lockhart into Chester. And there's another road that comes and T-bones into that road. It stops at, right? It's a three-way stop. Mm -hmm. So she's on the road that, that continues to go. For her story to have been true that she caught a red light there, there would have to have been another car coming from the other direction. Yep. Because otherwise, her lane, the, the, the road she was on would have had the green constantly. So she, her story that I got caught by the red light, but there were no other cars around, so nobody saw this happen, they knew was complete BS from the job. Couldn't happen, yeah. They, it, literally, a, they literally went to her and said, hey, uh, do you want to change your story? And she hung with it for about a week, and then, of course, revealed the awful horrible truth was that which was that she drove through monarch out toward lockhart took an off-road to john d long lake and rolled her car with her two infant children alex and michael smith into the lake yes and it's because she was actually 
entangled in an affair, I believe, with her boss's son or something like that, or her boss. With, uh, with a man named Carrie Findley. Yeah, and he who, basically said, I'm sorry, you don't fit into my life plan. I don't want kids. She don't, I don't want kids. And uh, there, there were letters written back and forth, but they apparently originally consummated their relationship at a party in a hot tub and I knew some people who were there um, and, and they're right okay and things like that so that's nice. one angle but and so, I do believe I do believe that it was the the entire thing from the kids missing to her confessing was nine days. So we, somewhere in that, that somewhere long? in that vicinity, we didn't we didn't have to wait very long to to find out that she did it. But for nine days, it was one of the most frantic things. Like it knocked OJ off the front page for a week. I, I remember mom wouldn't let me play outside. Right. Wow. It, it was, was afraid there, I was going to be. It was the palatable. country was gripped. Looking Looking for this car, looking for the children, looking for this, you know, quote, alleged black and let's, man. Let's, that let's say their names, their names, carjacker. let's, let's, let's say their names because they are the victims here. Their names were Michael and Alex and Matt, they were angels. Yeah. If you start thinking about what happened to them, I, like I, it's, 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 it's so horrific. Like I, I don't even want to think about it. No. Yeah, bad. no. Um, the way their lives ended. And I, she, so of course she ends up confessing to what she did. I, I maintained then. And I maintain now, if her husband, David, had done the same thing, he would have gotten the death penalty. She didn't get it because she was a woman. I think a jury yep. took a little bit of sympathy uh, on, on her for that reason. I will maintain, and I still do, and I don't care if it makes anybody mad, if a man did that in South Carolina, his ass would be dead now. Yeah, no, I fully, fully <laughs> agree. And the thing with that was that I was 14. You were 19. I was 14. We're five years apart. And I remember like mom would make sure I came straight home from school. Like there was no stopping anywhere. It was just come home. I'd come in the house. She'd lock the doors and that was it for the day. Like she was freaked out by this. And so, the monster yeah. was inside the house the whole time. Like yeah. Susan Smith so, did this and you can find, you can find tons of, you know, true crime recaps on this story. If you want to get really into it like deep dive into it because it was one of those things that put south carolina on the map as far as crimes in a, go in the most horrific way possible so okay so that those that's the big picture now i'm going to tell you a few things you don't know one if i remember correctly i had a college class with her what did no, you not, really? I, I didn't know her did not know her Okay. Didn't speak to her. Um, but if I remember correctly, I believe somebody later told me, and it was one of those deals. It was like an eight o'clock class that met once a week. I was there about half the time. I was asleep the rest of the time. <laughs> so that's not, I'm not going to claim to remember that real well, but I, I was told later, you know, she was in that class with us. And I was like, oh, God, oh, I didn't oh, know wow. that. Huh. Union became the media epicenter of the world for a while. CNN talked back live, broadcast live every day for like six months from the USC Union Auditorium. Oh, and wow. I remember, I remember the dude that became like the face of the protest, which he called himself the rebel rouser. And okay, he, here's the funny thing. It was rebel rouser. Okay. And he was given that name by the news director of our radio station. Okay. You want to tell the, <laughs> tell the folks at home who that is? And I don't, I don't remember, I mean, I don't remember the specifics of him necessarily, I but I, they, I remember they, him coming into the radio station and having a very intense nose to nose face off with our news director who had called him a rabble rouser. Oh, wow. Huh. 
we had people calling the radio station from all over the world. Wow. I'd pick the phone up. There was a, a drunk lady named Margaret who called us from London every night for like two weeks. Are you sure it wasn't my grandmother? <laughs> it was no, no, it was it, 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 I, because she, she, she talked like this. And uh, mine and LD's uh, late great friend, Tommy, uh, had the occasion to speak with her on a number of occasions Aww. and she had trouble understanding him. And he said, Margaret, I think the problem here is the lateness of the hour and the amount of gin that you have consumed. <laughs> and she said, I don't drink gin. I drink bourbon. There you go. She claimed to have worked at Apple records and all kind of fun stuff. But we got people calling us from jail, people calling us from every talk show you can imagine. Oprah Winfrey showed up at the funeral for the children. Wow. Wow. Which I don't know if everyone knows if, if that's like I was widely unaware. Known, no. O o there was one media outlet allowed to take to re to record or broadcast from inside of uh, the funeral and it was our radio station actually. Oh wow. So now is the part where I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop something on you. I've never told I've never shared publicly. I've I told a few people, may have even told you LD, but it's been a really long time and you've probably forgotten. I probably yeah. So in the midst of this blitz of CNN's live in, and in town every day and Oprah Winfrey showed up at the funeral, and I think Sally Jesse did too, if I remember correctly. Oh, wow. There were throngs of media folks. I ended up on a current affair. I think I was on the CBS Evening News one time as a result of this. And things would have gotten even crazier had the judge allowed cameras in the courtroom, but he did not. And, and thank God for small favors, because then it really would have been a zoo. Even though, as a journalist, I, I fundamentally disagree with that decision. At, at the time, it was probably a good thing. We got lots of phone calls, as I've already mentioned, from all, people all, all over the country. And I mean dozens a day. And people calling us from other countries. We had uh, people, uh, a guy called from Australia, who just, he, he was just, it, it just, that whole, the case had touched him to such an extent, he needed to talk to somebody in union about it. So he called us. But we got, uh, at this point, this is 1994 into 1995, we got a lot of faxes at this point. <laughs> and about two days into the, the missing child angle, Okay, two days into this, we got a fax from a psychic in Florida. And the psychic said, again, this is like two or two, three days at the most into the story when we all still believe that this is a kidnapping story. And people are looking for her car and the children and the guy who kidnapped and the sketches going around of the alleged carjacker. But this psychic from Florida, and I, I probably still have the fax somewhere if I didn't lose it during one of my moves. And if I ever find it, I'll, I'll be happy to share it. But it, they, they introduced themselves, said they were a psychic from Florida. And they said, you need to stop looking for this quote, black man that carjacked and you need to stop looking for the children because they're dead. Oh, wow. Wow. So she said there was no carjacking. There, the only crime was Susan Smith driving her children into a lake. Really? Yes. And this is from an anonymous now, psychic? The, I'm sure their name was on it. And if, I, okay. like I said, if I can find it, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll, I'll post it at this point. I mean, it's been, almost, it's been 28 years at this point. No, the no. only thing they got wrong, they actually said she was conflicted over something, which she was. She drove uh, to a lake and drove the car into it with the children still in it, which, which, uh, which sadly was correct. The only thing the psychic got wrong was that she, they said, for some reason, the letter W sticks out to me. I've looked at a map. I would look in a, little, a nearby town called Whitmire. 
which is not which is not where the lake is and not where she drove but outside of that whoever this psychic was laid out two or three days into the saga exactly what happened that's crazy yeah that is a and that's a thousand percent legitimate i'm not fabricating one iota of that and and i saved it and then when things unfolded as they ultimately did i was like uh huh, huh. wow yeah that's eerie but that's, anyway so yeah that wow. so that's the part I've, I've i don't think i've ever shared that publicly i've, I've shown a few people or did back at the time but that that is a hundred percent a real thing that happens Shoof. Unbelievable. Yeah. so i mean yeah. so as far as like that goes like yeah i totally remember that and there's been a lot of coverage in the true crime recaps and stuff like that because like susan smith came back out and was like i'm in love and like you know i think one of the guards got fired and for having an affair with her yeah yeah so i mean like i didn't know that part it it was it was a it's a whole mess and you know it's we're we're, we we come from a town where there's not many like high profile crimes now lately south carolina has been in the news because of the the mcafees of the family the family t the one that that had the boat the girl died in the boat accident and then he was shot in the head but survived but like his White oh yeah. yeah 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 so the that's lawyer. yeah don't the, trust <laughs> backwoods southern lawyer <laughs> judge in the town's got blood stains on his hands but we we like we don't we're not used to that like literally it's one of those things from a movie where like that we're not used to this but this doesn't Murdoch. happen Murdoch. i had a brain fart yeah Murdoch. yeah with Murdoch. okay yeah so uh, and, and then and unfortunately like dylan roof um yeah in charleston and, and we yes yeah, unfortunately we've had our share of very prominent ones i'm gonna actually rock it back about 102 years oh jeez. <laughs> and i swear i only wrote four pages on this so it's really short <laughs> so remember we were talking about the caveats i'm from slidell and so i actually went with nolans and for those who don't know i am I'm Cajun, proud of it. And uh, so I'm pretty excited that we get to talk about this case because it is a very strange case. And it is the the 1918-1919 case of the Axeman. So from over a year from May 1918 to October 1919, the city of Nolens was in a frenzied panic over a serial killer they had dubbed the Axeman. So the first person that died was a grocer who happened to be Italian named uh, Joseph Maggio and his wife, Catherine. They were killed on May the 23rd, 1918, as they lay sleeping in the apartment that actually sat above the grocery store. The killer cut the couple's throat with a straight razor and then bashed their head in with an axe. Jeez. Yeah, it was brutal. That's why I put this warning on here. (laughs) So when law enforcement began to investigate, they found bloody clothes that belonged to the murderer. So he had obviously changed into a clean set of clothes before leaving. The police ruled out robbery as a motivation for the attacks and money as as the money and valuables were left in plain sight. Nothing was stolen from the intruder. Nothing. It was just straight murder. Near the couple's home was a message in chalk that said, Mrs. Joseph Maggio will sit up tonight. Just write Mrs. Tooney. Investigators immediately questioned several people, but they were all released due to lack of evidence. A little bit more than a month later, a couple was attacked in the early morning hours of June 27th, 1918. Louis Bessemer, who was also a grocer, and his mistress, Harriet Lowe, lived in the quarters at the back of the store. 
So much like uh, Maggio did. When no one opened the store that morning, they were discovered lying in a pool of blood. Bessemer had been struck with an axe in his right temple and Lowe was hacked over the left ear. Though badly injured, both were still alive. Once again, they were questioned and one man was arrested, but he was also later released. Though the crime made the newspapers, a bigger note was the scandal of the mistress. After the attack, one side of Lowe's face was partially paralyzed and on August the 5th, and I can't imagine what surgery was like in, in 1918, but they tried to perform surgery on her in effort to correct it. Two days later, she died, but before she passed, she told authorities that she suspected that it was Lewis who had attacked her. He was then charged with murder and served nine months in prison before being acquitted after a 10-minute jury deliberation. On August 5th, a similar attack was happened on Mrs. Edward Schneider, who was eight months pregnant. As the 28-year-old lay in bed, she awoke to see a dark figure standing over her, and she was bashed in the face repeatedly. Shortly after midnight, she was discovered by her husband, who was just returning from work. Her scalp had been cut open, and her face was completely covered in blood. But she survived the attack and gave birth to a healthy baby girl two days later. Again, someone was arrested, but soon released based on lack of evidence. By this time, they had begun to speculate that the attacks related to previous incidents involving Bessemer and Maggio. And I should say at this point, the weird thing is that the attacker never brought the axe to the scene. There was always an axe at the scene. And it was typically, in most cases, left at the scene or left near the scene. So he never, like, brought his own axe. Just five days later, yet another grocer named Joseph Ramno and I'm probably mistaken that name, I apologize, was attacked on August the 10th. He was an elder grocer who lived with his two nieces and woke to the sound of the commotion in the adjoining room where their uncle resided. The girls entered his room to find that he had been he had taken a serious blow to his head and the assailant was leaving. The grocer, though seriously injured, was able to walk to the ambulance once it arrived, but he died two days later due to severe head trauma. The girls were able to provide a brief description of the killer, a dark-skinned, heavy-set man who wore a dark suit and a slouched hat. Other clues of the crime were similar to the previous ones, such as the scenes were often ransacked but nothing ever stolen, and that the killer used the owner's hatchet and blades, and the panels of doors or windows were chiseled away to gain entry, and that the majority of the victims were Italian. And yet another series of murders and assaults by the Axeman swept the city. The police were inundated with reports from the citizens claiming to have seen an Axeman lurking in the neighborhoods, acts uh, found in the backyards, doors and uh, windows that appeared to have been tampered with, people trying to carry loaded shotguns. Family members took turn watching over their families at night, and one reported that the alleged Axeman was masquerading as a woman, and another had seen him leaping over back fences. So, of course, like this town was in absolute panic at this time. And I'm just going to say something. Um, you know, anytime you, you take somebody's life, that's a, a, a vicious, horrific act. But when you're doing it with an act, jeez, mm -hmm. I mean, that's it's bad barbaric, enough. If yeah. you, but if, if you see, if you shoot somebody, you can feel slightly detached from the event probably because you're you can be a, a long distance from them mm -hmm. if you stab somebody or whack them with an axe that's very personal and violent i mean you're doing it you have to be right up on them you're physically putting something in them that ends yes. the life yeah you know that's just a, a like, like a level of vicious i can't even get my mind around yeah 
And that's a lot of times when it comes to something like that, unless it is a random act of violence, such as like a mugging, that they say that a stabbing is a very personal thing. Like, because you have to look them in the eye or you have to be very close to them to do it. And so it's more of a passionate thing. And an, I mean, axe, an axe would be the same, I, I would think. Yeah, exactly. So um, people were afraid and they were determined to protect themselves, bordering on panic. But something happened. And so the, the killer cooled off. He went through a cooling off period, which is typical with some serial killers. Over the next few months, you know, people started to calm down and neighborhoods went back to normal until March 10th, 1919, when the Axeman struck again. A gentleman named Charles, who was an immigrant and a grocer who lived with his wife, Rosie, and their two-year-old daughter, Mary, in the town of Gretna, just across the Mississippi River from Nolens. Screams were heard coming from his residence early in the morning hours. The neighbor gro- neighboring grocer, this, this just sounds like New Orleans is just full of grocers at this point. And unlucky ones at that. Lorlando Giordano rushed across the street to investigate, and then he had found that all three had been attacked. Rose awakened to find her husband struggling with a large man wielding an axe. And when her husband fell to the floor, the assailant turned on her as she held her daughter and begged for their lives. Undaunted, the killer slammed the axe down on both the mother and the daughter. When the neighbors arrived, Charles lay in a pool of blood as Rose stood in the doorway with a serious head wound clutching her deceased daughter. The couple was rushed to the hospital where where they were treated for skull fractures. Charles was released two days later. The wife remained in the care of the doctors. Upon gaining full consciousness, Rosie stated that the attacker was a neighboring grocer, the one that found her or claimed that he found her. And his 18-year-old son, Frank, though uh, Orlando was a, a 69-year-old man, he was in too poor of a health to have committed the crimes. Frank was too big to have fit through the panel in the back door. And despite all that, they were arrested. And though both of them denied that they did it, they were charged with the murders and they would be later found guilty. Frank was sentenced to hang and the father would have life in prison. After the trial, Charles divorced his wife and about a year later, Rosie revised her claim, stating that she had falsely accused the two out of jealousy and spite. With her evidence being the only evidence against them, they were released from jail shortly thereafter. Thankfully, before the guy was hanged. Yeah, that would have been that would have been really bad. Yeah. Following those murders, New Orleans again was filled with terror and once again began to arm themselves. Uh, the police stated that they believed that all the crimes had been committed by the same man, a, quote, bloodthirsty maniac filled with a passion for human slaughter. Then... Here's where this becomes weird. A new twist happened uh, when the Times-Picayune newspaper received a taunting letter on March 14th, 1919, that promised another attack. I'm going to read it as dramatically as I can, because everybody does. Hell, March 13th, 1919. Esteemed mortal, they have never caught me and they never will. They have never seen me, for I am invisible. Even as the ether that surrounds your earth. I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orleans and your foolish police call the Axeman. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe besmeared with the blood and the brains of whom I have sent below to keep me company. 
If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as not only to amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis Joseph, etc. But tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it is better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the axe man. I don't think there's any need of such a warning, for I feel sure that the police will always dodge me as they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you Orleanians think of me as a most horrible murderer, which I am, but it could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens, for I am in close relation with the angel of death. Now, to be exact, at 12.15 earthly time on next Tuesday night, March 19th, 1919, I'm going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I'm going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I am very fond of jazz music, and I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared whom a jazz band is in full swing at the time I have just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well, then so much better for you people. One thing is certain, and that is some of you people who do not have on jazz on Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartus, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse, hoping that thou wilt publish this, that it may go well with thee. I have been and will be the worst spirit that has ever existed in either the fact or realm of fancy. And that was the letter that he sent. So basically he was like, hey guys, I'm going to come to New Orleans and if you have a jazz band, I won't kill you. And uh, according to sources, well... Per the killer statement that no one was listening to jazz on the 19th of March, music was abundant. Music flowed from house to house across the city. The dance halls were filled to capacity. Professional and amateur bands played jazz parties at hundreds of homes and towns. And you know what? Not a single person was killed that night. I miss the good old days when uh, evil and insane people uh, just sent missives to newspapers instead of putting it on social media. Yeah, sit down and write a letter. It's it's, It's more quaint. Yeah. You know how getting like a thank you card is always nice? Same thing. For several weeks, all was quiet, but people still lived in fear. On August 10th, 1919, another grocer named Steve Boca was attacked in his bedroom as he slept. Boca awoke during the night to find a dark figure looming over his bed and then suffering from a blow to an axe. He survived, and upon regaining consciousness, he ran to the home of his neighbor, Frank, where he lost consciousness and collapsed. He was treated for his injuries, but was unable to remember the details of his attacks. Like the others who'd been assailed by the axe man, nothing was taken from his home and a panel on the back door had been broken away. On September 2nd, a local druggist named William Carson escaped the lethal axe man when he fired several shots at an intruder who'd broken into his home. The killer left a broken door and an axe behind. On September 3rd, 1919, a young girl named Sarah Lawman was attacked with an axe while she slept in her locked and shuttered home. When neighbors came to check on the young woman who had lived alone, they discovered her lying unconscious on her bed, suffering a head injury and several missing teeth. Though she was suffering from a brain concussion, she did discover, and a bloody axe was discovered on the front lawn of the building. Once again, New Orleans 
was in a state of hysteria, but nothing would be heard from the Axemen for nearly two months. The last attack came on October 27, 1919, when a grocer named Mike Peptone was slain. That night, he and his wife heard a noise and arrived to the door of the bedroom just as a large, axe-wielding man was fleeing the scene. Pepitone had been struck in the head and was covered in his own blood. His murderer left behind his wife and six children. Mrs. Pepitone, the mother of the six kids, was unable to describe any characteristics of her killer and the usual clues, which were a shattered panel in the back door and an axe were left behind. Authorities continued to work on the case, but it would be in vain. His murder, uh, Mike Pepitone's murder, was the last known murder of the Axeman killer. He was never seen or heard from again. And um, that's my true so crime that story. One, that, so that one, that one remained unsolved? That one remained unsolved. Wow. And funny enough, it has been uh, sort of a, it, it passed into legend. And his character has appeared on TV shows like American Horror Story. And hundreds of podcasts have been done about it. Uh, it's really a mystery you know and it's jack the ripper level of strange when it comes to that letter of course it can never be verified whether or not it was the x-man or not or was it someone just like screwing with people there are a lot of world events happening around this time and this was newsworthy just absolutely there are people all over the world that were following the story so that was my that was my true crime story from my hometown ish sort of achieved well, yeah they're very nearby I Close enough. Yeah. Right across the river. Right, right across the river, I think. Yeah, I think Gretna is also like right across the river too, where one of the murder where one of the attacks took place. So it was very close. But yeah, the Axeman has has had songs written about him. That's actually what we're gonna end the episode with. So do we have any parting thoughts for this like 12 hour episode? <laughs> um video games are fun and funny songs are cool and screw you, Axeman. Yeah, that's about it. Will, do you have any uh, parting thoughts? I was going to say, Tammy and Randy. Oh, I was so Tammy invested. And Tammy and Randy. Randy. Tammy find, and Randy. You find out that they broke up and you're really uh, Oh, are you? Wait a minute. You're pulling for them. Wait a minute. Tammy and Randy broke up? They broke what? up. They broke oh, my. Them. Oh, God. I'm so sad for them. I know. But they're going to make it. R.I.P. the relationship of Tammy and Randy. Jack and Diane, Brenda and Eddie, they just don't last. Wow. All right, so uh, here's the thing, guys. Uh, of course, once this episode goes up, we will be posting it you know, on social media. We pose a question to you. What is your favorite video game? What's your favorite novelty or comedy song? And what is your hometown true crime that- uh, and, and how are you How are you handling the Tammy and Randy breakup? Yeah, seriously. And, and like, are you like, you know, there's always when- you know, like a, a couple breaks up that's a friend. You know, LD's probably more on Team Tammy, and I think Will the Thrill and I are, I, I think we're kind of with Randy on this. I mean, I, I borrowed Tammy's hairspray all the time. So, yeah, of course I'm Team Tammy. And if those I mean, two crazy kids can't make it. What chance do any of us have? All right, guys. Uh, thank you for sticking around for, you know, a three and a half hour episode. Uh, really appreciate it. If you think we're doing a good job and you would like to donate to the show, uh, we're totally restructuring our Patreon, so I'm going to give it out, but, you know, no pressure. It's patreon.com backslash rockandrollheaven. You can find us on Twitter at rockandrollLT. Our Instagram is rockandrollheavenLT. You can find us on Facebook at rockandrollheavenpod. Still not going to say our website, and you can check us out on TikTok where we give our fun facts. 
and that is rock and roll heaven pod and you can email us too at rock and roll heaven lt at gmail.com please make sure that you're also checking out all the other awesome pantheon podcast pantheonpodcast.com now mr t do you have anything you'd like to say to the audience yes just remember that a portion of your uh donation to our patreon fund goes to uh randy's divorce attorney all right buddy <laughs> well i really hope they figure out who made that castlevania but anyway till next time okay and from all of us here at rock and roll heaven all you out there just remember the light of the tunnel might just be tammy's beautiful smile that we'll never see again because she really loved randy because <laughs> her heart is broken and her soul is damaged it was all going I'm so pray- well put them on the pr- put them on the prayer list so to wrap up this week's episode we're gonna play a song that was based on the axeman called axeman jazz don't scare me papa which was originally written in 1919 as a ragtime song but we are actually going to play the squirrel nut zippers version so you guys (laughs) have a great week we will see you on episode 19 of michael jackson we're almost there guys i swear Good night.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.